Welcome to episode 12 of Recreational Thinking with Yogesh Routh. Our guests today are Todd Hunter, Dylan Edwards, and Cheyenne Fletcher. Remember that order, it's arbitrary, but it'll be consistent throughout the game. And we'll start now going in that order. Each of you could just briefly state where you're Skyping from and approximately one sentence about yourself, starting with Todd. Okay, I am in the shutdown city of Champaign, Illinois, and I am a radio announcer. Oh, that's a good thing for a podcast. Um, greetings from the land of uh, Champagne wishes and Urbana dreams. <laughs> All right, Robin Leach I, loves you. Yes, I, I get very few chances to use that joke, so I take them when I can. Dylan. My name is Dylan Edwards. I'm a graduate student based in Evanston, Illinois. Ah. Ah, two people from my home state. And Cheyenne? Uh, apparently, I'm the only person not from Illinois. I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I have a trivia company here called Questionable Company that is shut down right now. So mm-hmm. we're trying to switch to live streaming. And a uh, father of 15 and 11-year-old and married for just had my 20-year anniversary. So Congratulations. Thanks. Yesterday, I believe, was my parents' wedding anniversary. I'm trying to calculate. I think 44 years now. Nice. Okay, so this game is going to be in four rounds, one individual and three specialists. The first round I call the three R's round. It allows me to reduce, reuse, and recycle prior material. So these first nine questions will mainly serve as a warm-up, but they'll be worth a tenth of a point as tiebreakers if necessary. And for this round only, you're all going to be answering just as individuals. So if the first person the question is directed at misses, it'll go to the second, then to the third if the second also misses. So the further back you are, the less of a direct shot you have. But the more time you have to think and some potential answers could get taken off the table for you and we'll rotate so each of you gets to answer three questions in first position three in second and three in third position the rules will change after this round and i'll explain that when it happens so just a reminder in general to talk through your thinking process because the content of this podcast is you know your interaction with the question and any kind of interesting thoughts or memories it stirs up no need to talk just for the sake of filling up space but you know Feel free to share anything interesting that crosses your mind. And actually, this episode, I'm going to be trying something new. A former contestant, Jack Rousseau, suggested using the Skype chat window to send the text of the question to contestants so that might cut down on my having to repeat it. So I'm going to try that this time, and we'll see if it makes a difference. Okay. So we'll start now with Todd in first position for the first question, which is the Gilbert Shannon Reads model specifies the probability distribution function used to mathematically model which common real-life activity? And here is where I'm looking for the text of the question to make sure... Okes. Okes. I don't know where okes came from. That's not a word. Oh, it went away, though. Does it stay up? It should be something you should click on to be able to bring it back. Oh, okay. Um, at the bottom, there's something that looks like a word bubble type icon. Oh, there we go. There we go. And if I can maybe get it to move, it's blocking Cheyenne right now. I mean, it's not that important that you see him, so. The hey. Gilbert Shannon Reads model specifies the probability distribution function used to mathematically. Okay, clearly I have absolutely no idea what this is, so I'm going to try to figure out how to get the video back and come up with some answer so that I don't just leave everybody hanging. Uh, Let's see, distribution function, why don't we say measures how much distance you've walked in one day? All right, decent guess. Um, Dylan? I also do not have a very good guess. Maybe I'll go the topical route and say it models how quickly diseases are spread. (laughs) 
Hopefully that's not that common a real life activity, but uh, good guess. Uh, Cheyenne? Yeah, yeah, this is uh, tough. I was hoping one of them would get it so I wouldn't have to sound <laughs> stupid. Uh, the Gilbert Shannon Reed models, which common, uh, how often you shop for groceries? Yeah, I was thinking about how to kind of how to word it. I wondered if at first I thought saying something like which everyday activity, but there's actually something that you know, many people don't do every day and other people do maybe hundreds of times a day. But uh, this is the probability distribution function. The technical term is a, a riffle shuffle, but basically anything involving uh, shuffling a deck of cards, I would have accepted. Oh, I maybe did that 10 years ago. <laughs> It's been a while. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So next question, starting with Dylan in first position. Known as Bill in everyday life, which American mystery author adopted his current nom de plume to play up his mestizo heritage for the mystical thriller Nightwing, published in 1977, but is today better known for works set in the former Soviet Union, well, at the time the Soviet Union, now the former Soviet Union? Hmm. Uh, is this text also all right cool let's see um hmm. trying to come up with a reasonable guess i don't know if i really have anything for this hmm trying to work the mestizo heritage into this and i can't figure out how yeah i may just have to uh just punt with tom clancy and uh call it a day on that unfortunately all right so yeah always better to guess than not guess right. cheyenne um trying to yeah i can't close either so maybe i'll try like a peter straub all right um todd well i'm going to guess one of my favorite writers that i could not get by without i cannot go to bed without enjoying at least one story by mr martinez <laughs> All right. So one thing I do like to remind people is, yeah, if you if you're you know, if you don't have an, a thought, at least try and guess something plausible. If nothing else, guess a common last name like Smith. So in the previous episode I recorded, I had a question about the architect Adrian Smith. And here a question about a recent recipient of the Grandmaster Award from the Mystery Writers of America, author of Gorky Park and its, its many sequels. His name, the name he uses as a published author is Martin Cruz Smith. So if you had guessed Smith, that would have been correct. Well, now I will have heard that name in my life once or if it ever comes up in Learned League. So that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, next, starting with Cheyenne. Latanya Richardson, who received a 2014 Tony nomination for playing Lena Younger in A Raisin in the Sun, opposite Denzel Washington as Walter, has spent much of her career being overshadowed by what much more famous husband of hers? Uh, Lena Younger and Raisin in the Sun, opposite Denzel Washington's office, much of her career being overshadowed by what? Maybe could this be like Jada Pinkett Smith? Could we have two Smiths back to back? I don't know, <laughs> but I'll go with it. So what are you locking in as the name of the husband? Oh, Will Smith. Will Smith. All right. Um, yeah, no, I, I think um, no, I think Jada Pinkett Smith's name is, is in fact Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, so I'll pass this to Todd. The Rock. <laughs> All right, uh, Dylan? Um, I assume the in or the lateral here is something to do with the word overshadowed. Uh, I'm trying to come up with somebody who may have some association with a shadow in some way, and I'm also drawing a blank. Um, hmm. I will just say, as long as we're doing the guess a common last name thing, I will just go with uh, try Jackson. Yeah, no, that that was not, in fact, an intended hand. It was more just kind of a nod to the fact in many fields, um, very um, talented women have sort of taken a backseat to 
kind of supporting their husbands and their careers. In her case, she has started to get some recognition now, and she is also, I think, sometimes known by her married name of Latanya Richardson Jackson because her husband is Samuel L. Jackson. So oh. Jackson. <laughs> All right. Wow, right. nice pull. I'll take it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, uh, starting with Todd on the next one, Moth the Hoople's biggest hit, All the Young Dudes, was penned by David Bowie. However, its lead singer, Ian Hunter, wrote and originally recorded two songs made famous by other artists. One was Great White's Once Bitten, Twice Shy, and the other is which sitcom theme most often heard in a version by the Presidents of the United States of America? I don't suppose I can answer any of what you already put in the clue. <laughs> uh... Wow. I'm going to look at the question again now that it has gone away because I know everything else in that question, but I don't immediately have an answer for which. So it's heard more by the presidents of the United States of America than it is on the TV show? No, I'll just say the most commonly heard version of it probably is by the presidents of the United States of America. Wow. Uh... You want me to think out loud. I know they did Lump, Peaches, Dune Buggy, Kitty, uh, Mach 1. They did a cover of Saplin Pour Moi. None of those are TV show theme songs. I want to guess how long do I have? Uh, I mean, technically there's no time limit, but you kind of want to save more time for the collaborating questions that will happen later on. So... I am clearly going to get this wrong unless it's something like Jackson. So what is a TV show that Ian Hunter could have... Oh, goodness. And I have no idea if other people know this. So Ian Hunter wrote an original... So he recorded this first. And it became a TV theme song. It can't be the one that John Sebastian sang because that's more famous. So... And it has to have words. I will say, goodness, all the young dudes, once bitten, twice shy, and one day at a time. I have no idea. All right. Decent guess. That did have a theme done by someone memorable. I don't remember at the moment. But um, Dylan, next. Okay. So I think for the first time in these three questions, this is a, a fact that strikes me as trivia canonical, whatever that means, which makes me think there's a pretty high probability Cheyenne knows it. So I have in my head a show that for some reason I think presidents of the United States of America may have sung the theme song of, but I have no idea what the title of that theme song would be. But I don't know if I should say the title of the show that I'm thinking of or if that's going to increase the probability that Cheyenne is going to get this but uh you're not gonna help me at all uh okay well well all right i I will just say that for the record i believe and this is going to be embarrassing if this is wrong i guess but i thought that the presidents of the united states of america at one point sang the drew carey show theme song so on that note i'm going to say the drew carey show theme and that would be what I say. All right. Cheyenne? Yeah, no, this is, I went through all these at one point. And yeah, it's one of these like 90s sitcom things. And I'm trying to remember, like, they might be Giants is on one, but like, I don't know the names of any of these songs. So I'm going to say like uh, that 70s show theme song, because I think it was done by somebody who was kind of famous. 
That 70s show one was done by Cheap Trick, but it was a cover of a song by Big Star. Okay. Uh, was founded by Alex Chilton. But yeah, I mean, Dylan was 100% on the right track. There were actually, uh, Drew Harry show used two other songs in its first few seasons as a team, but eventually settled on a song. Usually heard the presence of, of the USA version was heard, although in later episodes, sometimes the cast would perform it or it would be done in some other creative fashion. But the song was called, in keeping with the show setting, Cleveland Rocks. Ah. Oh, goodness. Yes, sh- it was. That, that is so stupid. I should have I, just spun off of what he gave me, because I know that that theme song is called Cleveland Rocks. And I could Well, I was about to say Hot in Cleveland was the name of it, but uh, that strikes me as incorrect. I know, I know the show is set in Cleveland, but I, I couldn't have come up with the Rocks part. I don't know that I've ever seen that show. Yeah, I should have taken your lead and run with it. All right, we'll start with Dylan on the next one. The deaths of Harry Daglian and Louis Slotin, both victims of what came to be known as the quote-unquote Demon Corps, occurred in which U.S. state? Slotin. Uh, hmm. So the not getting anything on the names. I don't believe that this is a binary association that I have, unfortunately for me. So do I have any way of reasoning my way? I don't know if the Demon Corps could be some sort of like a either a gang of some sort or maybe a paramilitary unit. For whatever reason, I'm thinking about the uh, gang of like scalp hunters from the book Blood Meridian, but I don't think that's what this is. But uh, I don't know. Um, I will just say Texas. All right. Good guess, but not correct. Cheyenne? Uh, yeah, I don't recognize these names either. Demon Core, I'm hoping that maybe there's a way that could be tied into like Salem Witch Trials or something. And I'm going to go with Massachusetts. All right. Uh, good guess again, but not correct. Todd? Well, I know an awful lot of people have died of New Jersey, so I'll <laughs> go with that. All right, you're locking in New Jersey? Sure. All right, so uh, Harry Daglian and Louis Slotin, they were both scientists who worked on the Manhattan Project and uh-huh. died from radiation exposure to what became known as the Demon Corps because of its role in their deaths. And so they were both, at the time it happened, in New Mexico. Oh, man. And I almost guessed New Mexico for a completely different reason. <laughs> Like the satanic panic stuff of the 80s was really big in New Mexico. <laughs> Could I ask one question? Okay. At this point in the game, is it rarer for only one right answer? There was definitely episode four, I believe, went through this entire round with zero correct answers. Okay, so, so Dylan is actually improving our average over... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Dylan. Yeah. It's a pretty uh, rough game, but it's very fun. <laughs> I thought it was going to be nine softballs and then the real hardcore trivia, but obviously we did not. We just dispensed with softballs. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, there's no, there's no, as I told another contestant in a brief episode, there is no easy round in this. Got it. Only a, yeah, there is a not all that hard round, but we haven't gotten to that one yet. Okay. All right. So uh, <laughs> starting now with Cheyenne. Unlike her first cousin, Helen Mirren, the celebrated beauty Tanya Mallet chose not to have a career in acting. As a result, her only major on-screen role came as a character who coincidentally shares her initials, Tilly Masterson, in what now classic 1964 film? Wow. Uh, the celebrated Tony Mallet chose not to have a career in acting as a result from a major onslaught. Cam is a character who shares her initials in what? 1964 classic film. Wow. Usually when I try to think of some of these dates with pop culture, I try to figure out where I was and I was not born. So now I have to go back and try to think of uh, 60s. Uh, I feel like that name 
sounds oh uh it's gotta be only major roll initials Tilly Masterson in what now classic 1960 could that be maybe uh I don't know I'm gonna go with true grit uh sorry I didn't cl- clearly hear what your guess was could you repeat it oh I went with true grit true grit all right yeah uh decent guess Todd next well I believe I yeah I was going to say I was mesmerized by her performance, but that would be a lie. So I'm not actually going to say that. Uh, a Hard Day's Night. Okay, that is, that is a 1964 film. A good guess, but not correct. Dylan? Okay, so it is a Bond film. Pretty confident of that. And I get these mixed up. I've seen the first several Connery Bond movies, and I, I think it's Goldfinger. But uh, I'm trying to think. I believe Dr. No was 1962. And then Goldfinger, I think, is the third Bond film from russia with love is the second so then i don't know if i mean it makes sense for from russia with love to come out in 63 and then goldfinger 64 is tilly is tilly masterson the one who gets like killed by odd job i i will my my answer is goldfinger i'll say that yeah so in terms of a, a 60s film character who runs into beautiful women a lot i mean there were several of them but james bond's always a safe guess and yeah in that movie uh jill masterson is the one who gets covered in gold tilly masterson the one as you said decapitated by odd job but yeah goldfinger is the correct answer good job <laughs> All right. Uh, now, so one last cycle through these. So question seven begins with Todd. And this is one of the questions that have sort of um, multiple multiple lateral ways in. So it may help to have the text in front of you for it. All right. So what is the extremely incongruous first and last name of the father of Miles Morales, the black Latino character who became Spider-Man in the Marvel Comics multiverse? Perhaps just as incongruously, a different figure with this first and last name indirectly inspired part of the full corporate name of the British pub company commonly referred to as Weatherspoons. Uh, so apparently there's a black Spider-Man. I just learned that. I'm learning a lot in this question. <laughs> yeah, certain communities became aware of that and reacted very strongly to it uh, a few years ago. I probably am happier not knowing how, uh, <laughs> the way you phrased that. Let's see. A different figure with this first and last name indirectly inspired part of the full corporate name of a company I am unfamiliar with. So, and I'm assuming Morales is not part of the answer. So, what is something incongruous that is a plausible name and also inspired this other thing I've also never heard of? I think in the interest of time, I should probably just come up with an answer like Jackson, because I'm totally lost here. I will say incongruous first and last name i want to at least have an intelligent educated guess and i don't think that's going to be possible um just to be clear i'm saying that the name itself is incongruous not that the first and last name are incongruous with each other well i don't even know what alternative meaning that has so um if they're not incongruous with each other i'm not sure what they're incongruous with um i'm just going to say solomon grundy all right dylan so I think I know this offhand, and I think the incongruity is that it's a black Latino character who has the name Jefferson Davis, and I guess that sounds 
odd if I'm wrong, but I think that that's what the answer is. So I'll say Jefferson Davis. Yeah. So there, there's like multiple parts to this. The, the British pub company is full name is actually J.D. Weatherspoon PLC, and it's oddly named for the character of Boss Hogg from the Dukes of Hazard. I'm not sure why, but uh, his full name was in fact Jefferson Davis Hogg, and the father of Miles Morales. His father actually isn't Latino, but his father is black, which is why I have never really understood why his name is Jefferson Davis, but there it is. It was also more popularized by the film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, where Miles was a central character. Boy, um, Cheyenne, we're, we're really, uh, I look forward to uh, our illustrious partnership. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> we're just, like, baiting him right now. Right? <laughs> yeah, this is all just to make you feel good. You're not really this much smarter, but yes, you are, probably. <laughs> all well, right. given how little of this I've known. I don't feel very smart. <laughs> Three so. to zero to zero. All right. Uh, next question, starting with Dylan now. This is semi-open-ended, so I'll there'll be a little latitude in what I accept, but I am looking for something sort of specific. On October 4th, 1960, Eastern Airlines Flight 375 crashed during takeoff from Boston's Logan International Airport, killing 62 of the 72 on board. How did actions taken by Eugene Schifflin in the 1890s in Central Park in New York City lead directly to this tragedy? Hmm, let's see. A lot of information here. Let me see if I can parse this. Um, crash during takeoff. Hmm. I'm struggling to make uh, heads or tails of this one, unfortunately. I do not. I'm not familiar with this incident. I do not know who Eugene Shefflin is. So what did he do that? I don't know if maybe he like invented something in Central Park that was then used on a plane and caused it to be faulty in some way. It's hard for me to see how, like, physically he could have done something which would have resulted in a crash 70 years later. So, I don't know. Hmm. I feel like this is an answer that's going to make a lot of sense when I hear it, but uh, I don't think I'm coming up with it, unfortunately. So, I will say he invented some sort of radio system that caused a miscommunication at the airport when they used it. And that form of technology got phased out afterwards. I don't know. All right. A decent guess. Cheyenne? Oof. Uh, yeah. Like, just coming up with an answer is kind of good. Um, I'm going to say maybe he created the first laser or something, and they pointed it at the pilots. I have no clue. All right. Todd? He was responsible for popularizing the use of a very dangerous cigarette lighter. All right. Yeah, you're all uh, trying to think of it laterally. So um, Eugene Schifflin, a, a rich uh, New Yorker, had apparently an idea that all of the birds mentioned in Shakespeare plays should be introduced to the Americas or to the U.S. And so in Central oh. 290, he released a large flock of starlings, which oh. soon became an invasive species, caused billions of dollars in crop damage, and also their flocks caused at least one major plane crash. I, I was kind of there a little bit with that, but I was thinking that, like, he had, like, killed a bird that let another species become invasive, but I just couldn't quite get my head around it. I would have been wrong anyway, but, like, my, uh. my mom has actually told part of that story many times, but she's always left out the name of the guy and the plane crash. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> I'll remember to tell her tomorrow. Yeah. 
All right. And now the last question of this round, starting with Cheyenne. What Medal of Honor recipient credited with downing 40 Japanese aircraft as a fighter pilot during World War II, making him America's ace of aces during that war, died at age 24 while working as a Lockheed test pilot and is remembered today pretty much only as the namesake of a Wisconsin recreation area whose signs are a popular photo op for snickering tourists? Uh... This is, well, apparently it's all been kind of out of my wheelhouse, but this is really out of my wheelhouse. But I'm going to, uh, there's two names. I feel like I'm going to pull the wrong one, but is this Sergeant York? Sergeant, well, not, a, not a fighter pilot and, and fought during World War One. Like, yeah, um, that's, yeah. When I hear the name, it's going to be the other one I wanted. <laughs> all right, uh, Todd? Well, I can only think of one Wisconsin recreation area, and there's not anything funny about its signs and they're not named after anybody so that's probably not a good road to go down uh obviously audie murphy lived past 24 and did not die that way (sighs) why would people make fun of wisconsin unless they're from illinois and make fun of all the neighboring states for no apparent reason i'm going to say johnson all right a decent guess for a a couple of reasons but um all right uh, dylan Hmm. Come on, Dylan. Get us to four. <laughs> I don't know. So I don't know this. Hmm. I assume it's like there's some like he has a name that's comical in some way or is like a double entendre of some sort. I'm thinking of how obscene I should get with my potential guess here. So it could go like, yeah, I'm uh, I think I will not embarrass myself and not say something obscene for this. But I assume it's going to be some sort of. I don't know, double entendre or something. I'll just, I'll say, what's a common last name we haven't said yet? How about Jones? I don't think we've said that. Yeah, so I grew up in central Illinois, where Todd is from, but I went to high school up in the Chicago area, where Dylan is, in uh, Aurora at the, the Illinois Math and Science Academy, and we once took a road trip to see Mark McGuire play during his home run season against the Milwaukee Brewers, and on the way back, our uh, resident counselor, who, you know, was older than us, but still, I guess, had a somewhat immature sense of humor, agreed to pull over and take a photo, which uh, I am in, although, well, I'm glad this happened before the era of social media, because it didn't get very widely spread, but there's a photo of a bunch of us clustered around the sign for this recreation area, which is called the Bong Recreation Area, named after Richard L. Bong. Thankfully not after his nickname, or it would be the Dick Bong Recreation Area. That's a bad name. Today's age, it's a great name, right? Uh, maybe for some people. I would not want it. I would, we go from Jefferson Davis to that. Uh, I'll stick with what I got. All right. So we end this round with Todd at 0.0, Dylan at 0.3, and Cheyenne at 0.0. And now we'll move into the specialist rounds based around the categories you supplied. We'll start with round one of the main game, the not all that hard round. So in this round, in all successive rounds, each of you will get three specialist questions related to your categories, but with the caveat, they're not intended to be a fair or comprehensive test of your knowledge of them. They may relate directly or obliquely, and I won't upfront reveal the categories of some of them will be become obvious as the game goes on. And before you can answer your own specialist questions, your opponents will get a chance to work together to try and steal the points from you. 
So you only get a chance to answer for points if your opponents miss. If I pass the question to you without telling you if your opponents are right or wrong, just assume they're wrong because you're not going to get any points if they're right. So there are a few... I've mentioned in previous episodes how the bonus questions work. Current events have led to an increased demand for appearances on this podcast, so I've had a little less time to devote to question writing, and so there are a lot fewer bonuses here than there normally are. So if they do come into play, I'll explain how they work. Otherwise, it may not be necessary. And so these questions are not all that hard. They'll be worth two points as a steal and one point as a specialist, and the points will go to both stealers, even if only one knows the answer. So we'll begin with Dylan and Cheyenne working together to steal from Todd. Here's your question. What renowned singer is the namesake of four different dishes created by the legendary French chef Auguste Escoffier? Um, will these also appear in chat? You okay? Oh, sorry. It slipped my mind, but... Sorry, and I had a whole bunch of uh, texts just coming in that I was trying to close down. Who's working together right now? This you This is too. Dylan okay. and Shine to steal from Todd. Okay. It's four. Like, Peach Melba and Melba Toast are both named after the singer, like, ballet singer lady who named herself out of being from Melbourne. Uh, yeah, I believe, and I know I that believe he named, yeah. And he, when he was working at the Savoy, like, he created both those dishes named after her. I don't know of any others. Um, and I don't know her actual name other than Melba. Yeah, I forget what her first name was, actually. I'm sure I'll know it when I hear it, but uh, that has to be the right answer, right? I think, I mean, I know he created both those dishes after her. The only other one I would think is is there anything named after like Josephine Baker? So she would have been slightly, wouldn't she have been a little bit after him? I think so. I'm just okay. trying to think of like famous singers in sure, sure, like sure. Europe that might have got stuff. But I know he named those two dishes after Melba. Um, that's all I got. <laughs> I like that answer. I, I would say that's what we should go with. Okay. You're locking that in? Yeah. Is that good enough of an answer? Well, what's your specific answer? Melba. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, as I said in the, you know, for real people, generally last names are sufficient, including professional names. So she was professionally Nellie Melba or Dame Nellie Melba. So yeah, that was, yeah. Okay. What were the two ones you said? You mentioned Melba Toast and uh, Peach Peach Melba. Melba. Yeah, Yeah, I think Melba Sauce and Melba Garniture are the others. So because that was stolen, I will give Todd a bonus question. So these are questions that are basically just worth half of the points of a steal, and they are related to the question that was stolen. They may or may not be in the same subject area, and they may not be at the same level of difficulty. So this is just for Todd. What Swiss hotel manager and associate of Escoffier worked alongside him at the Savoy until they were both fired by Richard Doyley Cart in 1898? This man soon set up a rival hotel in London that stole business away from the Savoy. Okay. And I'm assuming the answer is not, ironically, also Nellie Melba. So I (laughs) will... Well, you said he, I believe, so that would make it very unlikely. What Swiss hotel manager and associate of Escoffier worked alongside him at the Savoy until they were both fired by, yeah, he set up a rival hotel in London that stole business away from the Savoy. So what is a hotel in London that stole business away from the Savoy? Um, and his, he's Swiss, a Swiss name. And let's see, I'm thinking Rolls Royces in front of the hotel doors. What are some of those places called? Uh, uh, the away from the Savoy. Um, so probably a French-sounding hotel name in London. And I, nothing is coming to mind that sounds like a French hotel name in London. The, the, <laughs> I'm thinking Club 54, and that's totally not in the right universe or continent. Uh, 
This is a terrible answer, but I'm going to say Chantilly. So this man's name has entered the language as an adjective, but um, the hotel actually he formed was called the Carlton, but his name was Cesar Ritz. And the, the yeah. Ritz Carlton, the name is still licensed by Marriott to this day, but it's, you know, turned into the adjective or noun putting on the Ritz, Ritz crackers, sure. Ritzy, yeah. But yeah, Cesar Ritz was his name. All right. So next one goes to Todd and Cheyenne trying to steal from Dylan. What musical genre had a very brief heyday from approximately 1966 to 1968, but occupies a key place in musical history as a bridge between ska and reggae? It shares its name with both a song by one of its innovators, Alton Ellis, and with a mutant rhinoceros henchman you may recall from 1980s cartoons. And I'm partnered with Cheyenne? With me, yeah. I mean, I have the answer you want it. Yeah. Do you have it? Well, I I don't know. Two characters, guess, the two characters are Rocksteady and Bebop, and Bebop is much older than that. Right, exactly. So oh, we have to go with Rocksteady, right? And that's right, which, definitely like a genre comes from that same like right. style of music. So yeah, I, I say we go Rocksteady. I don't know it by Alton Ellis. I know it by Aretha Franklin, but it, it's probably the same song. So we agree, Rocksteady? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because like you said, it can't be Bebop. So it's got to right. be Rocksteady. All right, so you're locking in Rocksteady? Yes, please. All right, um, unsurprisingly, that is correct. Maybe I should have held back Alton Ellis as a bonus, but oh well, hindsight 2020. So now we go to Dylan and Todd trying to steal from Cheyenne. The Food Network's reality competition series Food Network Star, formerly the next Food Network Star, has launched the careers of several TV chefs, including season six winner Arthi Sequeira, whose Arthi Party is almost certainly the only U.S. TV show with my mother's name in the title. Before that, however, what season two winner of Next Food Network Star is almost certainly the franchise's biggest success story? Okay, I'm going to click on the text. Certainly, if you already know it and want to shine, I do not. Okay, the Food Network's reality, blah, blah, blah. My mom watches those shows and I don't. So do you know what timeline we might be, like, what year we could be looking at here? Literally, the only thing I have to work on is that I missed a Learned League question about, I think, Nigella Lawson, who I'd never heard of. And that is the only even angle I have to go here. I don't think that's right, but I know she's a personality I know nothing about except that her name is Nigella something. So, so we don't have a... Season six, Ari Party. Hmm. I love to eat food, but I don't really watch much about it. Yeah. So I gotta think this is somewhat more recent, and I think it's isn't uh, Nigella Lawson? Is she British? Well, not only do I think she's foreign, but you're indicating that I may not even ever have heard her name said out loud. So the way I pronounced it was just based on reading it. I do not know how it's pronounced. Okay. I could have mispronounced it. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever heard it out loud either. I'm I mean, you could show me a picture of her and I, I wouldn't know who it was. So Yeah, I know her just as a trivia answer as well, unfortunately. <laughs> hmm. I mean, if we have a, if you have a good guess, I certainly will defer. I just, that's literally the only guess that, I mean, it's not Rachel Ray. It's not Ina Garten. They way predate this, I think. And I'm not sure I can really name other ones. Yeah, my, my trepidation there is just that for some reason, like, I don't know if her father was famous. Because I think she was like, it's something that she was like named after her dad, whose name is Nigel Lawson. And he's maybe famous in some capacity, which would maybe lead me to believe that she got her fame from nepotism, not from winning a you know food network reality show but i do not have a good guess at all should we just say lawson and leave it open-ended in case it's her sister yeah since we don't know and i don't on the off chance that we could trigger some memory with cheyenne i will defer from saying more and we can just lock in with lawson i guess 
All right. Locked in Lawson. Cheyenne? Uh, yeah, I'm guessing. I thought this was season one, but I guess it's pro- it's got to be. Like, I can't think of anybody else. It's got to be, like, the most, like, half-loved and half-hated host on the Food Network star. Diners, Dragons, and Dives. Oh, no. Guys, Grocery Games. It's got to oh, be no. Guy Fieri. I know he won. I thought he won season one, but he must have won season two, because that's who it has to be. My source said season two, but yeah. Seems, uh... Yeah, yeah, no, no. It was before I started watching them, and so bit like he's just blown up That's like the guy even with the his funny son hunter is now on all these shows like <laughs> it's crazy yeah so right after winning in 2006 he started with guys big bite and he hasn't really been off of tv since then guy fieri is the correct answer yeah. and i think he has four or five shows right now i might have gotten that if you'd given me two weeks maybe <laughs> I thought he was older I, than that, I, as I watched, far as how long he's been famous, but oh well. Okay, hold on, guys. This is not on purpose, and I didn't realize it. I just had the TV on in the background. Can you see what's yeah. behind? <laughs> I, oh, wow. I have the Food Network streaming almost all day, every day. <laughs> I don't even pay attention to it. I was like, oh, I wonder if it's on there. <laughs> all right. I guess that, you know, you're upfront about it, so it's definitely not cheating. But uh... Yeah, no, and I didn't even know it was on right now. I've got headphones on. I can't even hear the thing. I just... <laughs> kind of looked up i was like i bet you i have food network on right now <laughs> all right yeah very ubiquitous figure all right now dylan and cheyenne to steal from todd a series of six articles in the journal american speech by alan walker reed made the case and i think theory wants to answer that question all right a series of th- <laughs> a series of six articles in the journal american speech by alan walker reed made the case for the quote-unquote boston abbreviation fad hypothesis of the origin of the term okay according to this theory okay was created as part of a late 1830s fad for comically misspelled abbreviations and according to this fad what two-word phrase was okay an abbreviation of okay. this is uh I, cheyenne and i you guess is that correct yeah it's me and you okay i only know, like i've read about this before like where okay comes from the only one i remember is van buren old kinderhook you know what i'm talking about i do yeah um old kinderhook i think is like where he's from or like they called him old kinderhook and so yeah that like that's the only etymology i know of okay um that's yeah they mentioned this in the movie silver linings playbook i'm trying to remember what they said but uh hmm the only thing that that's giving me some pause there is van buren was a, a new york guy right yes and it's the boston abbreviation fad is that yeah no i, I don't know right like i'm just like that's the only etymology sure. that i can remember that I've read about the origination of the term okay was sure yeah i don't have a better answer i'm comfortable to lock that in if you are yeah, well, I'm reading it real quick. Just a hypothesis of the origin of the term. Okay, okay was created as part of the late 1830s fad. Like, is there anything that was happening in the 1830s that you can think of? Uh, um, but that would have been like Van Buren-y time, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, so Van Buren, did he take office in 32? And then, he was, was he two? Yeah, because Harrison took office in 1840, uh, William Henry Harrison. So I guess Van Buren would have been throughout the 1830s. So the timeline fits. Okay. So as per this fad, what two-word phrase was okay to... Oh, so old kinderhook would be our two-word phrase. Is that right? I'm, I think I'm so. hoping I'm getting that wording right. That was his nickname, right? Old kinderhook? So. Okay. Then let's go with that. All right. You locked in old kinderhook? Yes. All right. Todd? The answer is all correct. 
The correct answer is all correct, yes. So like many uh, sort of memes, which this basically was, right, it sometimes takes two things to get it into the public consciousness. So there were multiple comedically misspelled abbreviations that were part of this fad, like OW for all right. But the reason that OK stuck around is that it became associated with old Kinderhook, which was Martin Van Buren, which helped it remain in the public consciousness. But it did originate as an abbreviation of all correct. Yeah, and I remember reading, like, I remember going down this whole rabbit hole one day of reading about the etymology of OK, and I wish I could have remembered other things. <laughs> and I, I would just like to thank you for letting me finally get off zero. <laughs> you actually, you got, um, you got two points for... Oh, the, for uh, stealing. For the Rocksteady one, yeah, so... Right, I, I forgot that we get points for that. Okay, so... so okay, me and Todd. Next, yes, Todd and Cheyenne to steal from Dylan now. Okay, mind melt. The ultraviolet catastrophe refers to the problematic prediction of classical physics that an ideal black body could theoretically radiate an arbitrarily high amount of energy. Whose solution to this problem, now known as his namesake law of black body radiation, laid the groundwork for quantum mechanics? Cheyenne, I am so glad you're an expert on this. I don't even need to say anything. <laughs> oh, I just figured you were going to answer it real quick without my input. Just like override me completely. That would be rude. <laughs> All right, let's. The ultraviolet catastrophe refers to the problematic prediction of classical physics. And I do, uh, now known as his namesake law. Like, I feel like uh, quantum mechanics is like Max Planck, is who yeah. I like. Associate with quantum, like the starter of quantum stuff. It's really stupid. Like I've, I went like really pretty. I don't want to say really far, pretty far in math and physics in college, right. and I'm a complete moron in these subjects oh. now. <laughs> well, what I, what, what I have found is in trivia, if a question is quantum physics, Max Planck is right about half the time, and the yeah. other half, I was never going to get it anyway. So right, yeah, and it's it's pretty recent. Right, so yeah, I have nothing else to say other than Max Planck. Let's lock in and Max we'll Planck. Planck. We're locking in Planck in case he had a cousin who. <laughs> yeah, let's let's say Planck or Planck. I don't know how yeah, yeah. the pronunciation. We're leaving Max off. <laughs> right, right, Planck. Yeah, yeah. So we've discussed in previous episodes the vowel sounds. There's considerable leniency, and it's only if you if you called him like Max Planks, for instance, that would be wrong. But right. um, yeah, no, this is still the not all that hard round, and the questions aren't all that challenging. So uh, straightforward guess uh, like that. Hey, is... don't rub it in, Yogesh. <laughs> You're just oh. making us feel bad. If we get the points, he can rub it in all he wants. I'm not going to. I know, it. but he's like, this is the easy round. <laughs> Well, this just shows we didn't overthink it and outsmart ourselves. Yeah, there have been multiple cases in the past of people overthinking easy questions and getting them wrong that way. So good job avoiding that trap. High five. <laughs> but yes, and uh, good job, Dylan, holding that poker face, even when you, you knew that they had it. Yeah, yeah, alas. I do feel bad you didn't get a chance, but now we have a chance, right? Yeah, Dylan and Todd now to steal from Cheyenne. Alexander Karelin, considered quite possibly the greatest Greco-Roman wrestler of all time, won... <laughs> won three Olympic gold medals under three different flags, none of which were Greece or Rome. In what three years did his Olympic victories come? I'm going to look at the text. Hmm. Oh, sorry, just a second. Yeah, it's not there yet. Well, first of all, Dylan, have you ever heard of this person? Well, I hadn't heard of this person until he showed up at uh, the... Triathlon. I think it was triathlon. Yeah, um, I, I wrote that question. <laughs> yeah, um, well... So we have to give all three correct years? Yes. Okay, so 
So I think he's I've half a mind to just like say facts and see if I can get any sort of reaction out of Cheyenne, because I'm sure he knows this, but uh, I don't think I'll do that. So I think he's a USSR or he may be just Russian, but I think uh, I thought it was USSR. So under three different flags. So I wonder if that could be like he was both before and after the fall of the Soviet Union. So, and thus was like USSR and then Russia or whatever republic well, we he was the, from. We need the years, right? Sure. But like, because fall of the USSR was like early 90s. So if it were huh. like 88, 92, 96, yeah. that could be feasible. Hmm. I mean, I feel like 88 and 92 are probably a given. And then it's do we go earlier or later for the third one? Sure. Well, was there one of I'm really bad at Olympics. Was there one of those that the USSR boycotted? Was that 1980? Yeah, it was 19. Well, no, I think we did. Or did we? So, OK, so that's uh, that's an irrelevant point then. Sarajevo was 80, I think. And then 84 was Los Angeles. That's right. Not that that's really relevant other than just trying to remember the context. 88, sure. I remember Calgary. Was it Seoul was the summer? Yeah, I, I believe okay. 88 was Seoul. I don't remember anybody boycotting Seoul. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I, I would, I would recommend 88 and 92. And then I don't know if I have a strong preference as to 84 versus well, 96. You know, I certainly don't remember much Russian presence in Los Angeles in 84. I don't know. I like 84, 88 and 92, but you clearly are a little better versed in the subject matter of the sports than I am. So 96 was Atlanta. Is that correct? The summer, yes. Okay, because yeah, it would be it would be summer since wrestling is summer. Well, yeah, I, I like eighty four, eighty eight, ninety two. I think that's that's a good. Also, the Winter Olympics were in ninety four. They moved them so they didn't have them the same right. year anymore. So there wouldn't have been a ninety six winter. So lock in eighty four, eighty eight, and ninety two. I'm good with that. Okay, I'm good with that too. All right, you're locking in nineteen eighty four, nineteen eighty eight, and nineteen ninety two. Yes, please. All right, Cheyenne. All right. So, like, literally, I wrote that question, and I don't know these exact years. I'm like, but it's definitely not 84, because ah. the USSR boycotted 84 in L.A. Oh, no. Uh, so, but I think I'm trying to, like, that Rulon Gardner match had to be 96. So I'm going 88, 92, 96 is my final answer. All right. You're locking in 1988, 1992, and 1996? Yeah, I'm scared it's shifted to 2000, but yeah, I'm going to lock in with those three. Yeah, so his upset by Rulon Gardner was his final competitive international yeah. match. And famously at the time, he hadn't lost in 13 years right. before that. So he he's won under the, under the USSR flag. He'd won in 88 under the unified team or CIS flag in 92, and then under the Russian flag in 96. Okay, yeah. I thought I had him. I wasn't positive, though. But yeah, yeah, he was the yeah. greatest wrestler of all time. Except for maybe yeah, John I... Smith, who won six straight world titles for the U.S. in freestyle. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that person, but now I will write a question just to get people to guess John Smith. Yeah, no, yeah, check out John Smith. He, like, created a whole style of wrestling. They changed the Olympic redshirt rules just for him because he was the best in the world when he was, like, a junior in college. And they wanted him to be able to wrestle for the Olympic team. And so they created an Olympic redshirt. So Corellan then won the silver in 2000 behind Ruan Gardner. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now the next question goes to Dylan and Cheyenne to steal from Todd. 
A man named David Whittaker is almost completely responsible for arranging the score of the Andrew Oldham Orchestra's 1966 cover of The Last Time, virtually unrecognizable as a remake of the Rolling Stones original, which makes it extremely ironic that Whittaker has never received either credit or royalties for what smash hit song of 1997. So who am I playing with here right now? Is it me and you, Dylan? Yes. yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is the verb bittersweet symphony like all of the money for that song goes to the rolling stone i agree okay rocking in bittersweet symphony yes yes yeah, so because it was of, of an uncleared sample from that Andrew Oldham Orchestra version of The Last Time, which was credited as a Jagger Richards composition, legally speaking, Bittersweet Symphony had to be credited as one as well. Very recently, they allowed the credit and royalties to go back to Richard Ashcroft of The Verve, you know, the actual songwriter, but there's still zero credit or royalties to David Whitaker, who really provided the actual melody and arrangement that the entire song is built off of. May I share something since I didn't get to answer? Sure. In 2001, a girl I knew in New Jersey called me telling me that we had to take action because Richard Ashcroft was a threat to our civil liberties. And I told her that I thought if she was going to be calling people alarmed, she might want to double check her information because I didn't think Richard Ashcroft was particularly doing anything to really antagonize Americans by 2001 because the verve was pretty much finished by that whole legal battle she didn't care but fair enough all right so now todd and cheyenne to steal from dylan the so-called first fleet which set out from england in 1787 to found the penal colony that became the first european settlement in australia made landfall in january 1788 at what body of water that must have contained a lot of interesting plant life i have an answer if you want it yeah i mean do you know this I think it's Botany Bay. I think that's yeah. why it's called Botany Bay. Yeah, that sounds, yeah. Because the only other thing I was thinking of was Fort Jackson, which is like that little entry area to like Sydney Harbor, but that right. doesn't fit with this. So yeah, let's go Botany Bay. Okay, I'm good. All right. Yeah, we're having a, a balanced game so far. Lots of stealing of other people's questions. So we'll just move on to the last question of this round for Dylan and Todd to steal from Cheyenne. Among the many spoken word songs cited as precursors to the rap or hip hop genre are Cassius Clay's I Am the Greatest, Pigmeat Markham's Here Comes the Judge, and what early 1970s track that envisions a time when, quote, Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on Search for Tomorrow because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. Uh, I have a guess, but I'm not sure if those lyrics correspond. Yeah, hit me with it. What's the guess? Is I'm, it, I, I'm is just it... remembering what my third category I said him was. <laughs> so I'm working with Dylan, right? Yeah. Would you be comfortable saying the revolution will not be televised? Uh, yes, that is, I think that's, um, it came out, I believe, in 1973. Yogesh, would you mind putting the text in the chat? Sorry, just a second. But I definitely, uh, okay, so it just says early 1970s. Yeah, he's talking about, looks like he's talking about black empowerment, talking about TV shows, so... That all fits. So we want the track name, right? All right, good. Yes, I definitely like The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. All right, so you're locking in The Revolution Will Not Be Televised? Yes, please. All right, Revolution Will Not Be Televised, Will Not Be Televised, Will Not Be Televised, but will be the correct answer to that question. Yeah, Gil Scott Heron. (laughs) All right, so we finish out the Not All That Hard round with Todd at nine. (laughs) Todd at 9.0, Dylan at 6.3, and Cheyenne at 12.0. 
So there's still a lot of potential for big swings because the point values will now go up in the only somewhat hard round. Questions are now worth four points as a steal and three points as a specialist. And we will begin with Dylan and Cheyenne for a steal from Todd. In the previous episode, I discussed some of Dmitry Shostakovich's film scoring work. One of his memorable scores was for Grigory Kozintsev's 1964 film of Hamlet, based on a translation by what author, whom many consider one of the greatest translators in the Russian language? Dylan, you got this. Um, hmm. So, 1964... The greatest translators. Like a, um, greatest translators in Russian language. Like, I don't have any of those. Like, um, <laughs> like canon trivia Russian translators. So, so. I'll say that, I want to say that of the Russian authors who could be active at that time, I really don't believe that it's Solzhenitsyn. Um, could be maybe Pasternak. Uh, I want to say he did some translation work. I will say the the woman who translated or is responsible for translating most of, um, what's his name? Dostoevsky's work into English. I think her name is Constance Garnett. That might be a little tough for this. Hmm. Um greatest trance so i don't know uh maybe pasternak i don't know yeah i'm good with whatever you want to throw out there like i don't read books <laughs> so and i can't think of like that's a name i heard so i do not read russian translations of hamlet i'll say so uh yeah. i also don't have a lot of direct familiarity with this but hmm just trying to rack my brain because maybe you start yeah. saying some names and then i'll look at todd's face oh yeah let's do that <laughs> yeah uh, I don't know if it could be. I don't think it's. Who's the guy who wrote uh, We, like some yachtin? I don't think it's him. Hmm. Yogesh did herbal. say this was the, like, not super duper, I'm going to crush you round. So maybe I don't know how, how hard Constance Garnett is, or if she's even really Russian. Because that's like when I think like a person who's known for translating Russian work into other languages, she's the person who I would associate with that. But I don't. I don't maybe it's Pasternak. Uh. I, 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 I would like to. I would go, Sorry, what? I was saying I'll go with whatever you say. If it was my choice of the things you've said, it would be Pasternak because I've heard that name, and this is supposed to be the not super hard round. So maybe I don't know. Yeah, secondary work of a fairly well-known author, Pasternak. I'm leaving this all in your hands, and I will support you 100%. Yeah, I'm just trying to come up with authors who I think maybe were active around that time. I don't know when Bulgakov was writing. I think he may have been a little earlier. Mm. I think that I think that Pasternak is probably what I'd like to say, and then if it's Constance Garnett, I'm going to feel bad. So let's lock in with Pasternak. We'll, we'll say Okay. That. All right, you're locking in Pasternak? Yeah. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah, because remember, this is this was a question about the translating of something in English into Russian, not Russian into English. Sure. But um, sort of there's a reversal of Pastor. In the U.S., he's known, or in the West, he was known almost entirely for the novel Dr. Zhivago, which was a very atypical work by him. In his native country, he's known primarily as a poet, probably secondarily as a translator, and third, very distant third, as a novelist. But yes, it is Boris Pasternak. Good job. Is your no. topic Russian literature, Todd? Oh, um, totally, yeah. That, no, I, I noticed that Cheyenne said he was going to look at my face and then totally ignores my reactions, so. 
Well, uh, I, your head went down, so I couldn't well, see your face anymore. At one point, I had a face of horror, and you were not even looking at the screen, so... I'm gonna have to start, like, covering my face with my hand when it's, like, your guys' <laughs> turn to team up against me, just, like, completely hide. Yeah, well, uh, I can't like... even see you, because you're hidden behind my chat. I'm trying to get y'all stacked on top of each other, but it's not working. Yeah, I, I can see you too, but I'm in miniature, and I haven't... Anyway, go ahead. That's not really made anything. <laughs> yeah, in the previous episode, Christine Welchel started putting her hand in front of, well, in front of her face, but between the camera and her face, basically, for the same reason. Um, but yeah, under current conditions, we're not supposed to actually touch our face, but we can put our hand between the camera and the face. Well, I haven't been anywhere in like three days, so I think I'm good <laughs> to touch my own face. <laughs> Alright, so now Todd and Cheyenne to steal from Dylan. Cited by Wikipedia as the first Billboard Hot 100 topper with a strong reggae influence, Three Dog Nights Black and White was a 1972 cover of a song first written in 1954 by Earl Robinson and David I. Arkin, the latter of whom was the father of Oscar-winning actor Alan Arkin. So, what historical event prompted the writing of that song? Okay, cited by Wikipedia as the first, the latter... Oscar winning, what historical event prompted the writing of that song? So he's definitely got some weird music thing that he's into because we've gone rock steady before and now we've got like, is this Jeremiah was a bullfrog? Wait, what? No, this is, this is a different song. This is The World is Black, The World is White. Oh, together, is that what it is? Uh, no. it's, oh, you know what? You know what? Wait, 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 wait. I didn't see uh, the, the line uh... is, wait, wait. The line is together they learn to read and write. So I assume it is a Supreme Court decision to integrate schools. Okay. Yeah, no, that's good. And 1954? Yep. And, like, kind of be vague with it? Like, because uh, do we need the city? Like, is it... You mean like Brown Little versus Rock? the Board of... I would think Brown versus the Board of Education would be enough. Well, that's... What historical event... Okay, so Brown versus Board of Education is based out of Topeka, right? But, like, right. the first big segregation thing was in, like, Little Rock. Well, what I'm thinking, well, no, that was refusing to abide by the order to integrate schools. Is that what it is? Three years later, I think. So I think this is simply he's asking for the Supreme Court ruling that paved the way to integrate schools because the other they wouldn't have been able to write the song yet. Okay, yeah, I'm good with that. So I'm I don't really know how to phrase it, but the Supreme Court decision to integrate schools, which would be Brown versus the the result of Brown versus integration of schools would be like uh, our big umbrella thing. And then we'll ask for. <laughs> I would just put in parentheses Brown versus the Board of Education okay. paving the way to integrate schools in okay. the United States. So are we good that, at locking that in? That is our super long answer, yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, either of those are acceptable, Brown versus Board or just generally racial integration of schools. Sure. Yeah. All right. So now Dylan and Todd to steal from Cheyenne. I'm always scared of my questions because I don't want to miss them. <laughs> All right. A 2015 video for the Daily Dot saw Alton Brown rail against the Vigetti, the Rolly Eggmaster, the iPerfect Kitchen Meat Handling and Shredding Claws, and other non-versatile items that he collectively refers to by what term? Dylan, did you understand some of that? No. Okay. So I'll say I do not know anything about food. I usually just eat, like, canned food and wait, fast wait, wait. food. Wait, so, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I, I've got a question. I thought this was that Jib Jabs. Is this actually a real person? Alton Brown? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a real chef. Oh, okay. I did not understand that. So this is some kind of food channel person? Yep. Yeah, he hosts uh, Good Eats. Um, so what is his, other things. What is this person I've never heard of's cute nickname for useless gadgets in the kitchen? So non-versatile. So I don't know if it's like going to be something like... 
So this is a term. Maybe it's like single use. Um, I don't know. Is it going to be some like clever portmanteau or something? Hmm. Oh, cutthroat kitchen. That's the other thing that Alden Brown hosts. Uh, that's not relevant. But uh, I mean, anyway, could it, could it just be something like knickknacks or tchotchkes or? It could. It could. I'm trying to think of other ways to say a bunch of junk. Yeah. Um. I don't really have confidence in our ability to get this one, unfortunately. So bobbles, maybe we should just say one of beads. those. What? I said baubles, bangles, and beads, but that, yeah, that's not yeah. going to be it. I again, knickknacks and tchotchkes are the only two things that, and I don't know how to choose between them when they're probably both wrong. Yeah. Does he, um, does he use Yiddish? <laughs> I I don't know. Um. Yeah. You want to just say knickknacks? We well, we, we are getting we are getting the definitive poker face here, so uh, I'm thinking we're probably going to lose if we don't guess right because he's got him he's had the channel on behind him not watching it osmosis you know again i i like either knickknacks or tchotchkes and i i don't know if alton brown is you know jewish or black or from mars i didn't know he was a real person so um i yeah i'm not sure if he's jewish i i, I don't know um i think that we're probably going to get this wrong and cheyenne is going to get it right do you want to just punt with knickknacks and Bank on a miracle. If you think knickknacks is safe for the tchotchkes, then yeah. I think they're both wrong, but... Uh, okay, knickknacks. Yeah, yeah knickknacks. All right, staying with the James Bond villain theme or going with knickknacks? No. All right, Cheyenne? Yeah, I actually don't know this. Oh. No. I'm like, how did... Like, I'm, I'm a social media moron, so I've never... Like, this is something I'm sure popped up there and not actually on the Food Network. So... I, I, I don't like nonsense. Like, I really I don't have a guess. As soon as it popped up, I was like, I have no clue. This is a good question. Cause, so my guess is nonsense. Nonsense. All right. Yeah. So this there was a, a similar question in the unreleased pilot of this podcast where Alden Brown was one of the contestants picked categories. He frequently rails against things that have only one use in the kitchen, with the exception of the fire extinguisher. He often says the fire extinguisher is the only unitasker he will allow in the kitchen. So unitasker is the term he uses. OK, yeah, I've never heard him say that. And I've seen him on like a thousand shows. <laughs> Like, Dylan, like, uh, if we had just magically known that, we could have stolen it. Yeah, no harm, no foul, uh, <laughs> as they say. Well, thank you, Cheyenne, for not knowing it either. <laughs> yeah, no, and I love Alton Brown. He's great. Uh, yeah, he also you did is say, the uh, host of American Iron Chef. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you did say something like single use, which is fairly close to unit. But yeah. I know, so close to it. All right, but that is, I think, the first miss of the game since the first round. So um, good job so far. All right, next, Jalen and Cheyenne to steal from Todd. Ah. Which future singer-songwriter's 1961 poetry collection, The Spice Box of Earth, led one contemporary critic to dub him, quote, probably the best young poet in English Canada right now? Which future singer-songwriter's nice poetry collection? Do you have any clue on this right now? I don't know it cold. We'll have to think laterally. Uh, yeah, so it's 1961. So we're talking about born in the 40s, right? At least? Yeah, 40s at the latest, I would think. Um so I can't imagine it'd be a poetry collection published as a teenager, but maybe I'm wrong. Right. It's a future singer-songwriter. Like, could this be something goofy like Neil Young or like... I think about him. I was wondering if it could be uh, Leonard Cohen. He's Canadian. I don't know if that's the oh, right time frame. I like it a lot more for singer-songwriter versus like a Neil Young. Yeah. I think of him as being like poet-esque or whatever. Right. I'm no, not that familiar, but... No, he's definitely way more. Uh, are there any clues in here? The spice box. 
Um, so English Canada. I mean, as opposed to French that, Canada. Yeah. Does that mean just like not in Quebec? I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm good with that. Do you want me to go? Let me go in. Um, yeah, I think that's probably, I'm trying to rack my brain for other people, but I think he seems the best. Male, right? Um, dub him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was like, not like a Joan Baez or like. Was she Canadian? Yeah. Or no, Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell. Oh, Joni. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm good. Let's go with it. You know. Leonard Cohen? Yeah. Okay. Locking in Leonard Cohen? Yes. So this is apparently not one of those things that everybody knows, but one of those things that some people can guess. So yes, it it was Leonard Cohen. Good job, Dylan. Yeah, thanks. Should listen to more of him. People like him. I don't know. I had an aunt come over and play one of his CDs for like five hours one day at Thanksgiving. And while I love him, I'm always going to go to that event in my life. (laughs) Be like, no. Yeah, he published multiple poetry collections and a, a few novels that were critically acclaimed, but then he decided to focus his energy on being a singer-songwriter, moved to New York, and became part of that scene. All right, now Todd and Cheyenne to steal from Dylan. The term reggae was first popularized in a 1968 song called Do the Reggae by the Maytals, a group led by what renowned frontman? And here's a non-reggae-related hint. This man shares his surname with a Simpsons character of whom the Simpsons wiki states, there is evidence that he is at heart a committed mercenary. Cheyenne, I have this if you want it. Oh, yeah, go. I'll get there. I think it's like a... John Brown, John, I think I can eventually get there, but I'm not there. What is it? I believe there is a song, liber, uh, lyric, liber, something about Toots Hibbert at the wrong prom or the wrong dance. Yes, that's it. I've got Toots a Hibbert. Was, yep. You're locking in Toots Hibbert? Yeah, and yeah, that was it's... the name of the, I could see the character on The Simpsons as well. Yeah. Pressure drop. Yeah, the character on Simpsons, of course, Dr. Julius Hibbert. Yeah, so the four questions so far in this round, we've had four straight steals. So let's see if that will continue with Dylan and Todd now to steal from Cheyenne. It's not that uncommon for a professional wrestler to have a background in amateur competitive wrestling. But which member of both the WWE and TNA Halls of Fame won gold in the 100kg division of freestyle wrestling at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics? I guess I need to read the question. I don't think I'm going to be very much help on wrestling questions, I got to say. I mean, I know what Hulk Hogan looks like, kind of. That's Okay, so, but that's not, I like follow actual wrestling. And it yeah, is I don't know niche anything thing. about actual wrestling. So. <laughs> All right, so let's just hope the rest of these are WWE and then nobody gets them and we can just call it a, you know, call it a mulligan. It's uh, not that uncommon for a professional, blah, blah, blah. But remember the, so just try to guess somebody who was at the 96 Olympics and was some kind of wrestler, I guess. Can you name a wrestler who's been in the Olympics in the past 30 years besides the one that we already got wrong? Besides, besides Karelin? No. Um, <laughs> yeah, the entirety of my wrestling knowledge is just learning binary associations of WWE for trivia, and I don't even know what TNA is. Could it be somebody who was a wrestler that got famous for, like, something famous after that? Like, a wrestler who had a hit record, or was on a TV show, or Dancing with the Stars, or whatever celebrities do now when they're not doing what they're famous for. Match game. So, I'm wondering if this is a person who, like, went into WWE after being an actual wrestler, and then when they were, like, I don't know if it's somebody who in 1996 was, like, early 20s, fresh on the, whatever, the wrestling scene, and then, like, they just kind of sold out and went WWE. 
And if that's the case, we're probably best served by just trying to come up with someone who's WWE in like the early 2000s. Yeah, the last I would know would be about 91, 92. So I okay. couldn't even tell you anybody from the 2000s. Hmm. When was like Triple H, um, Shawn Michaels? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, this is where I would say we already had what? Smith, Jones and Jackson? Yeah, I would. I might want to just guess like somebody who's a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, at least like there's an answer pool that I can draw a not completely absurd name from. It's all you. Okay. Let's, and as I'm saying that, I'm probably going to give an answer that is completely absurd, but I'll just say, I'll just say triple H. Are we oh, okay supposed- saying that? What? I thought that was a classification. There's a, uh, is that not a person? I've a person. never heard of it, but. Yeah, John Michaels, right? I think it's triple H. Okay. Well, I'm learning. Is that things. the same person? Okay. I think they are. I don't know. I don't watch. Okay. Well, man, I thought there were different people. Okay. I think we'll say our answer is Triple H, and then we can call that. Oh, one. yeah. Triple H actually has an HHH name. That's right. It is different than Shawn Michaels. Oh, like Hubert Humphrey? <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. <laughs> yeah, his real name was actually Horatio Hornblower. <laughs> All right. So you locked in Triple H, and I'll pass this to Cheyenne. Uh, I'm pretty Ridiculous. sure this is Kurt Angle. Yeah, I, I could have found more ways maybe to clue it with words like obtuse or something like that, but um, yeah. these questions have been easy enough for you guys already. No need to make it easy. Can I see how Kurt Angle is written, just so I will have ever seen that name? K-U-R-T and then Angle, A-N-G-L-E. Not Angle, Angle. Yeah, Angle. Okay, didn't write you. the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> okay. I think he was from he was from a uh, Clarion. I want he's from like one of those weird mid Pennsylvania uh, Clarion or Lehigh, maybe Lehigh. Okay, but yeah. I had a teacher from there. She was not a wrestler, as far as I know. Now Dylan and Cheyenne to steal from Todd. Oasis's right. iconic rock anthem "Wonderwall" was named for Wonderwall Music, the 1968 soundtrack to an obscure film called Wonderwall that was partially recorded at HMV Studios in Bombay now Mumbai, with the help of many Indian classical musicians. Which prominent rock musician put out this album? Okay. Dylan, I have you blocked by chat. Are you there? Um, yes, I'm here. Okay. Is it just Harrison? Uh, which prominent rock? You want to just go George Harrison? I think, I mean, I can't think of another rock musician who I would associate more strongly with wanting to popularize Indian music or right. having an interest in it. Right, and we've got HMV Studios, right? So maybe it's like Harrison something something. Sure, sounds plausible. Yeah, All right. yeah, I'm good with that. All right, or locking in Harrison. We'll lock in Harrison. Yeah, and I think you might have been able to tell from Todd's face when you said that. <laughs> 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 I was not looking, I don't think. Right. I need to pay yeah. more attention to Todd's face, I guess. <laughs> Which, I'm a radio guy, so I'm not used to that. <laughs> All right, so after the interruption of that streak of steals, we're now back onto another steal. And now a question for Todd and Cheyenne to try and steal from Dylan. This is kind of a long one, so um, the text may or may not be helpful. With Leopold Infeld, he names a model of nonlinear electrodynamics. With Alfred Landa, he names an equation for calculating lattice energy. With Theodore von Karman, he named a set of boundary conditions for a wave function. More famously, he and Fritz Haber lent their names to a cycle describing the formation of ionic compounds. And he and J. Robert Oppenheimer proposed a namesake assumption, later refined by him and Huang Kun, that the motion of atomic nuclei and electrons in a molecule can be treated separately. Name this winner of the 1954 Nobel Prize in Physics, who, per Wikipedia, also gives his name to a singly eponymous rigidity, coordinates, approximation, series, probability, rule, and equation, but is still most likely to show up in trivia questions only in relation to his famous granddaughter. Uh, Huddy Watts? 
That is a lot. Did, did oh, you wow, say that, is a, that is a giant question. Did you say Horowitz? I said Huddywutz, which is just goobly gop for oh, I have okay. no clue what's happening. Because <laughs> I thought Horowitz sounded like a great guess, but let's so, see. Okay, so let's get back to this bottom part. Okay, but it's still most likely to show up in trivia questions only in relation to his famous granddaughter. So, like, the famous granddaughters, people are like, you know, like uh, Ada Lovelace, but I think she's like the granddaughter of Alfred Tennyson, right? I don't think I've heard of her. Uh, she's like the first computer scientist. Okay. Um, but none of this stuff would be named after Tennyson, and there's like a date in here, like 1950, name this winner of the 1954 yes. Nobel Prize in Physics. Hi, this is Future Yogesh. I didn't get a chance to say this during the recording, but Ada Lovelace is Lord Byron's daughter, not Lord Tennyson's granddaughter. Does Robert Goddard have a granddaughter? Maybe. Like, I'm trying to get from granddaughter of 1954 to, like, famous, right? Right, right. It seems like a close gap. <laughs> this is weird, because I have the chat window, and I can't get it not to cover up Dylan, and it looks like Dylan is peeking out behind it, but I don't think he really I is. Know. Yeah, it does the same thing to me, too. <laughs> Name the winner of the 1954 Nobel Prize in Physics, who... Okay, so rigidity, coordinates, approximation, series. Like, I have all these other names that I want to put on these that are way older than 1954. Like, Gauss, Fermat and... <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think um, why somebody's granddaughter would be, you know, how people would necessarily know that. Right. Because, I mean, my grandfather was kind of a big deal, but nobody ever asked me about him because nobody knows that. Right. Not like he has a Wikipedia page, so. Calculating lattice energy. He names a set of boundary conditions for a wave function. I mean, I can't think of any United States senators who are famous granddaughters, per se. Right. I, I, in fact, we don't know what she's famous for. I mean, she could be a serial exactly. killer. <laughs> right, right. She this, could be the girl on the Little Debbie box. She could be... Yeah, this could be Eileen Warnos's grandfather. Or it could be, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Or it could, it could be literally any... We know it's not a man. That's it. Right. But we know it's younger than Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Probably, Because yes. he won a prize in 1954. Right, right. Um, a singly eponymous rigidity coordinates approximate series... Like, what's an equation that's been... It can't be, like, as stupid as, like, Einstein, right? I would think not. Does he have a famous granddaughter? Because if he did, it'd be a great answer. But then he's not, like, famous just for... This person sounds like they're famous for being the grandfather rather than the theory of relativity. Right. So I don't think it's somebody who's, like, more famous. I think the granddaughter is probably more famous. Too early. It's not Geraldine Ferraro. It's not Sarah Palin. It's not Judge Judy granddaughter show up in trivia questions only in relation to his famous granddaughter I mean, the gerber baby was a boy drew barrymore was did she have a scientist in the family or just actors yeah it's all actors okay. uh, like all the way back like her great-grandfather was acting partners with john wilkes booth's dad yeah that's he, what i was afraid of yeah i mean i don't think we're anywhere close neither do i and that's why i'm just trying to think of uh we can is, is we're looking for the person, right? Right. Was there a the scientist guy. named Cortez? 
not that I can remember. There's like Fermi, who's mm-hmm. like around this time, which you probably know of, like Illinois-based. That's not how I know him, but I know who he is. I didn't know about Fermi Labs until about 30 years after I learned about him. So, Because I'm not from Illinois originally. Oh, uh, 54 Prize in Physics, who per... These little... Th- this is this rigidity coordinates approximation. I don't know. What do you want to go with? I think we're kind of... I think we should just pick a famous woman and disregard all the uh, goddard is the only guess i have disregarding the granddaughter yeah then go let's go okay goddard goddard all right you in goddard okay dylan sure. uh yeah so the woman that the question is referring to here is olivia newton john although even if you knew that i don't know if that would help you get to his name because his last name is not newton or john <laughs> it's born the born oppenheimer approximation is pretty important but kind of wrong in a lot of pretty key areas well then um, i've never heard of her grandfather so i'm yeah. useless yeah it's born born is my answer i think max born is his first name but i'm not 100 percent on that so i'm gonna lock in with just born yeah. you don't you don't know her Make famous sure song not, uh, jason born yeah, you don't know her famous song about it let's get quantum physical <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> But yes, I'm amused by the fact that many of the links in the Wikipedia article, the Bourne rigidity, the Bourne approximations, the Bourne coordinates, could very easily be Robert Ludlum novels. <laughs> if it were Bjorn, I might have come up with it, but not Bourne. No, we're dancing in the not dark. All right. So is this the last question, or? Wait, we have a whole nother round. Yeah, oh. Yes. Uh, my scoring get off somewhere. Um, I think my scoring might have gone off. If, some, if I'm not next. in first place, the scoring's messed up. <laughs> All right. I'll come back to the scoring. Okay. I'll just... Okay, the question. Dylan and Todd now to steal from Cheyenne. The music industry figure known as Six, spelled Six I-X, of course, is, like me, the U.S. born and raised son of a doctor and engineer who emigrated from India. Unlike me, however, he chose to chase his dreams, and thus, instead of hosting a podcast, he has made a name for himself and picked up a 2018 Song of the Year Grammy nomination for a track from the platinum-selling album Everybody as a producer for what rapper and fellow Marylander born with the name Sir Robert Bryson Hall II. Note that, as Wikipedia feels a need to clarify, Sir is part of this man's name, not an honorific title. Okay, so we're looking for the rapper Sir Robert Bryson Hall, and that is logic, is who that is. It's from, um, I used to know the county in Maryland he's from, but now I don't know. Montgomery? Uh, yeah. Um, maybe it's Montgomery. He mentions it on a lot of his songs, but uh, yeah, logic is the answer on this, I think. Well, I certainly don't want to talk you into a wrong answer, so I think we're done here. Okay, just let me, I'm catching up on, I think, yeah, I skipped a zero on the unitasker question, and that threw off my scoring by the spreadsheet I'm using to score. So just give me a couple seconds to make those corrections. Okay, and for that question, you locked in logic for Dylan and Todd. And that is correct. The song is, I actually, I don't remember the exact title off the top of my head. It's the phone number of uh, Hotline. Oh, yeah. He's really good at Rubik's Cubes as well. Logic is, really? Oh, yeah, I, I he totally will, believe he'll, you. He'll freestyle and do Rubik's Cubes at the same time. And he'll rap about the Rubik's Cube that he's solving. It's pretty cool. <laughs> We've all done that. So at the end of this round, it's been a fairly high-scoring game. We have Todd, 21.0, Dylan, 25.3, Cheyenne, 35.0. I answered nothing when I was by myself, and I've just been on the coattails of my teammates. You answered Kurt Angle by yourself. Yeah, well, I was talking about the first round. (laughs) 
So now we move into the super hard round. So these last questions, the points values will now go up to six points for a steal, five points for a specialist. Potential for very big swing, so the game's not out of reach for anyone. And we'll start with Dylan and Cheyenne trying to steal from Todd. I still wish I could figure out how to stack you two on top of each other as opposed to, like, side by side. Is it still cutting off one of the, uh... Like, half of you, yeah. If I keep this open, I can shut down the chat and see you, but... Yeah, I should just, like, move to, like, one side so you <laughs> yeah. can't get any reaction. Well, it's not even that. It's just to see people, you know? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm gonna drink more beers than you can Cokes. Yeah, well, this is, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't doubt that. <laughs> So what word refers in English to two completely separate topics, indulgence in sexual pleasure and game hunting? Nowadays, it is most often heard in reference to grouping nouns used whimsically to refer to animals, as exemplified by the late James Lipton's book, An Exaltation of Larks. I'm going to need to read this. Hmm. Indulgence. Hmm. What word refers in English to two complete separate topics? Indulgence in sexual pleasure and game hunting. I feel like there's some stupid, like, fratire kind of, like, word that's going to go in here, right? Like, yeah. indulgence, like indulgence in sexual pleasure. Like, what words do we have for that? Like, um, and just to be clear, this is not an obscene word. Right, no, no, no. It's, uh, yeah, no. I was... Well, then I have no ideas then. <laughs> All my ideas were obscene words. Uh, I don't know what I can, I'm trying to think of like game hunting uh, words, but I don't know. Like somebody, yeah, I'm trying to think of the two as well. Game hunting, fox hunting, or uh, ducks, right? Or deer. What are the big game? Like, um, and like, this is always like a big deal that people like a trivia thing that people get so like been out of shape about are all these like the names of all these like animal groups. Yeah, yeah. Many a bar trivia question has been written with that topic for sure. What word for? So it's a word. Yes. One word. So it's in reference to grouping nouns. So we think this is like a verb or like a, a noun. I think it's a verb. Okay. Or even like an adjective. Indulgence and sexual pleasure. Gratification or game. I don't know. I bet this is going to make sense when I hear it, but I'm, I'm oh. just not pulling anything. What's up? It's 100% going to make sense. Like when this word gets said, yeah. we're both going to be like, this is stupid. Like, I don't know if you'd say if the word is going to be like, for example, like a, a herd of something, like the word herd belongs to like a subclass of some like demonym or I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a good guess. Like I can throw something out there that's going to be wrong or you can. We can both um, do it together. Indulgence and sexual pleasure. Euphoria. I don't know. What is there's got to be some way to connect. Yeah. Yeah. The indulgence, sexual pleasure with game hunting. What are the trips where you take, like, safari hunting? Uh, um, is there a word for, like, what you call the animal, like, the carcass of the animal? Is there a word for that? I'm not carcass? a hunter at all, but... Yeah, yeah. neither am I. I've, I've been a vegetarian for, like, 26 years, so... Yeah, I've been a vegetarian for 10 years, so... Uh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I want to save your time for some other questions. Yeah, okay. yeah. Throw uh, something out there. We're gonna be wrong, so just we'll just, we'll just say say loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gratification. Oh yeah. Gratification. Sure. Whatever. Lacking in gratification. Sure. All right, Todd. 
Okay, I have two clarifications I was hoping you could make. When you say, is it indulgence in sexual pleasure and indulgence in game hunting, or is it just game hunting and also indulgence in sexual pleasure? The latter. Okay, so the indulgence has nothing to do with game hunting. Right. Okay, and then when you say nowadays, it is most often heard in reference to grouping nouns. That means there's not an even more famous way it's used, right? Yeah, it's mainly an archaic term. Okay, because I was thinking a great answer would be Congress, but obviously Congress is heard more in the context of the government than it is for any of this stuff. So I don't want to waste a guess on something that obviously is not the main use. Well, unfortunately, I think the only word I have left that I haven't ruled out, which I don't like as an answer, but again, process of elimination, is uh, proliferation. Surely that's wrong. All right. So like I said, we are in the super hard ground now. Things are a bit tougher. But yeah, this noun, it pretty much, the hunting meaning is almost entirely obsolete, but it shows up only in, in reference to when people talk about nouns of venery, which I guess were originally in relation to animals that were hunted, but now kind of just whimsically used to refer to so, many different kinds of things and fuel a lot of terrible trivia questions. The sexual-based meaning, it shows up, I think, only in the adjective form in reference to venereal disease. But the noun form derived from the goddess Venus is venery. Yeah, I don't know that word. So I probably was not going to guess that word. Yeah. All right. So, and uh, as being a yeah. grammatical moron and not heard hearing that word ever before, I'm pretty happy. Fair enough. All right. Todd and Cheyenne now to steal from Dylan. One of the first reggae-influenced pop songs to become a mainstream hit, Millie Small's My Boy Lollipop, features a memorable harmonica solo performed by a member of backing band Jimmy Powell and the Five Dimensions. A long-standing urban legend holds that it was actually performed by what man, who at the time was the chief harmonica player for Jimmy Powell and the Five Dimensions, but probably wasn't featured on that specific track. This man went on to find success with a different group and then as a solo artist and as a result has been twice inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame rod stewart uh, uh, you want to lock that? Uh, want i lock do that? yeah if you come that strong with anything i am backing off <laughs> well you get points if it's right so i hope it's right yeah no no one of the things with playing trivia with other people is if somebody comes in hard and strong you just go all right i'm backing off if it's not rod stewart then i would have to i can't think of another possible answer so Okay, yeah, because he came from, what was his, he was part of Jeff Beck's band, right? Later, yeah. Oh, this is like before Jeff Beck? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. He wasn't with yeah. Jeff Beck very long. No, I know, he went from Jeff Beck to, I forgot who he went to. Let, let's Yardbirds. lock in Rod, let's lo yeah. lock in Rod Stewart. Yeah, yeah, go. No, you do it. I'm sorry that Yogesh had to type all these words, and then you just <laughs> <laughs> answered it that fast. Yeah, I would have expected this to be in one of the previous rounds. All right. Well, yeah, I've, I've mentioned before, sometimes having calibration errors, especially with topics I'm not super familiar with, but apparently this is an urban legend that is quite familiar to Todd. So <laughs> it wasn't too hard for him to narrow in on Rod Stewart, inducted into the Rock and Hall of Fame as a solo artist and as a member of Faces. And now Dylan and Todd to steal from Cheyenne. And I hope I can deliver for you anywhere close to like that. Probably not. Maybe you can, because these next few are, the next few questions are going to be music related. So if that is your specialty, Todd, then uh, you might do well on them. I sure hope all so. Right. Thank you. All three of you picked some kind of music related topic, so there's going to be some overlap there. All right. A few months ago, I was in my local branch library, and the cover of a book in the children's nonfiction section caught my eye. I opened it, and on the inner sleeve, I found a summary, which I shall now read to you with the name of a certain individual replaced with X. Your job is to name that X. 
So here's the quote. X lived in the Bronx where there was a lot of fighting, but he didn't want to fight. He wanted to play music. X had a new way of spinning records. He played the breaks of songs back to back so the music best for dancing could go on and on. X liked to shout out to his friends while he was playing music. Sometimes he made up rhymes about the songs he loved or the break dancers who had the best moves. This is the story of X, the story of how he came to be a DJ, how kids in his neighborhood stopped fighting in order to break dance, and how he invented a new kind of music that would change the world. This is the story of hip-hop. Um, I'm going to read that again. So, Yogesh, you personally were at the library? Yep. And you saw the cover of this nonfiction book, and it's a biography of this person. Yep. Who is from the Bronx, and... He more or less invented hip-hop um, as a kid, right? I mean, as a young person, probably. <sighs> well, my first thought is I hope it's not Africa Bombada after all the trouble he's gotten into. And there's no way it's somebody like Spoonie G unless this is intended to be like the hardest question ever. That'd be kind of cool, actually. But, uh, I mean, Dylan, do you have any guess here before I rack my brain? Um, so what era are we thinking? I'm thinking like, like, as far seven, as like 70s, 78, 79, because uh, Sugar Hill Gang was, I think, 79. And he couldn't have invented this after they already had a hit with it. Sure. But the problem is the debate over, you know, what was the first rap hit? I mean, you could argue Joe Tex was rap and that was before any of this stuff. I've even heard people argue that like hopelessly pasty, soulless white guys were proto-rap just because of some experiment they did once or twice. I don't agree with that. But oh, goodness. Some people claim that Rapture is the first. Yeah, I prefer the uh, Strawberry Rap by Strawberry Shortcake, but I probably shouldn't say that on this podcast. Uh, so it's somebody from the Bronx, which rules out a lot of people. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, Africa Babata is from New York, but he's also, I don't know if like, libel and slander laws prevent me from going into it, but he's got some baggage. Is he, um, so is he a DJ or a rapper or both? Well, he's he's part of that community, and he gave a lot of people their start, but also some other not-so-good things. Yeah, sure. he gave some people other things, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm trying to think. The problem is, everybody I can think of from that era, except Africa Babata and Spoonie G and some of these people, I mean, they weren't solo. They were part of, you know, Sugar Hill Gang, or they were part of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. I mean, there's Grandmaster Flash, there's Melly Mel. I wonder if... Curtis Blow is too late, right? Honestly, until there was a Learned League question on Curtis Blow, I completely missed that he existed. I never, ever heard of him, despite thinking I had a decent knowledge of that stuff. Of course, I also put the Fat Boys for the Run DMC question the other day because I heard about them about 10 years before I heard of Run DMC. So, um, I mean, Grandmaster Flash, Africa, I sort of am leaning Grandmaster Flash just because I feel like he was uh, somebody that would have questions like this written about him. But I'm wondering if there's somebody I haven't thought of yet. And honestly, I have no idea how young or old he was at the time. I just know that he was behind the message and White Line's don't do it. And I'm just trying to think who else as a solo performer or a solo name would be famous enough. Again, I know this is a hard question or supposed to be, but I mean, it's not going to be like an obscure individual member of Nucleus or an obscure individual member of some other like Hot 100, but not Top 40 early. It's not Yeasty God, Girl. I love that you know who Nucleus is. Oh, thank you. I'll just accept the compliment and smile. Uh, 
Um, but I mean, Nucleus is probably like six years later than what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, no. So, and again, I feel like even Grandmaster Flash was famous too late for this. I just, I really don't, I'm not comfortable with Africa Bombata as an answer. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not right. Let me read the question one more time. Uh, let's see. Because I get the impression that he's not going to miss this if we don't get it. Uh, okay, we've got... Oh, and it's somebody that has a children's book about him. So it's not just going to be some... I don't think there's a children's book about Africa, but I hope not. <laughs> that would not be appropriate. But I, I don't know what I don't know who this person is. I guess I'm going to have to look them up. Uh... Well, I... I don't to know see what you're be, referring to, but... I don't know why there'd be a children's book about Grandmaster Flash, either. That's weird. Well, it makes... I mean, I don't know. I could see that. Uh, I don't, that, that doesn't seem completely ridiculous to me. I, now I want there to be a children's book about Spoonie G, like a series where he's, like, going around solving mysteries or something. Okay, so it's a DJ. We know that. I don't think it's DJ Jazzy Jeff, because... I do not think it's Jazzy Jeff. Uh, so... Like, Eric B. is probably too late, right? And Rakeem and... Because uh, Eric B. was his DJ, but... I think and yet, like, I haven't even... Do we know if they're from the Bronx? Um, the sleeve begins, X lived in the Bronx, so yes. Right. No, I mean... Well, what, no, I mean I, Eric B. and Rakeem. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, okay. obviously the answer is from the Bronx, but... And I'm assuming X isn't a hint, like, you know, Malcolm X, or not that he's a... I, yeah. Um, I don't know. You said Eric B. I, I, there are a few people that we haven't said from early on, like Chuck uh, Chuck D. He's too late, right? His I public think enemy. So. Well, the thing is, it could have been somebody, you know, before what they were famous for. Sure. Um, and I'm just trying to think, who are, like, the elder statesmen of, like, early hip-hop? And... I don't know. I feel like even Grandmaster Flash is too late, but that's probably the best answer I have that I don't find deeply problematic. Um, I mean, well, let me just ask you this. Do you listen to much old school? Um, not much older than like Rakim or like Wu-Tang or Public Enemy. So nothing okay. this old, I don't think. This is definitely, I think, older than Wu-Tang. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, this is more like Tang Orange Drink, probably, in terms of era. I'm confident it's not Grandmaster Flash, but it's the best answer I have. Okay. Okay, very so, reluctantly lock in Grandmaster Flash, and then let Cheyenne get it right. Okay, Cheyenne? Yeah, I'm not completely positive what the answer of this is, but I know the original, like, all the stuff was DJ Cool Herc, so I'm going with that. Like, there's some clues in there that say breaks, which makes me want to say Curtis Blow and KRS-One, and I was also African Bambata was like, but I think this is Cool Herc. You're locking in DJ Cool Herc? Yeah. All right, and that is the correct answer. Okay, once again, could you spell that? Because I never heard that name in my life. Uh, it's K-O-O-L-H-E-R-C, I believe is the right spelling. But he's the one who started all of the, like, block parties that created, okay. like, the whole hip-hop scene. Like, have you ever seen the show Vinyl? No. With, okay, with Bobby Cavan, what's his last name? Cannavale. Yes. Cannavale. Yeah, he's in it, and, like, Sturgill Simpson does the whole intro music to that show. But they have a whole bunch of stuff about Cool Herc. Yeah, okay. they, like, created hip-hop music. Well, it I'm started glad, spinning. I'm glad we didn't spend longer on that, because... 
because that was not anywhere in my vernacular. Don't think I've heard of him. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dylan and Cheyenne, now to steal from Todd. So, Poison, an episode of the Netflix teen drama The Society that made my list of the top 20 TV episodes of 2019 was scripted by a certain author who made a splash with an acclaimed YA trilogy beginning with The Apothecary, but whose more literary, sort of uh, adult aim short fiction has also won many awards and frequently appears in The New Yorker. Indeed, the 2016 indie drama Certain Women, directed by Kelly Reichert and starring Laura Dern, Kristen Stewart, and Michelle Williams, was adapted from three of her short stories. So name that author whose somewhat more famous brother is one of many angsty independent musicians currently making their home here in Portland. Uh, did you say here in Portland? Are you living in Portland? Yes, I'm in the Portland metro area. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. So do you have any answer space for angsty independent musicians currently in Portland? Uh, no. Okay. Angsty musicians in Portland. Uh, he has quotes of literary short fiction here. That just means sort of, you know, aimed at serious adult audiences. Okay. And you're just quoting literary? It's just as opposed to, like, genre fiction. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think through, like, possible YA trilogies or, like, authors. So I don't really read New Yorker. Um, I don't really read either. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just trying to think of, uh, like, YA. Do you know who wrote, like, isn't there, like, that City of Embers or something? Is that a thing? Uh, yeah. Or could this be, like, that uh, John Green guy? Um, I, like- I don't think this sounds like him it's like a woman it looks like a oh yeah female author female author okay i don't know you have teenage kids right do they uh read ya trilogies no no they don't okay they play video games and then they read whenever my school's trying to now tell me i have to tell them to read i'm like wait what's going on now uh so Portland, I really like this is really out of my wheelhouse. Uh, Michelle Williams, Kristen Stewart, Laura Dern. So have you heard of this indie drama, Certain Women? Because I have not. Neither have I. Uh, okay. Could it be something by what's her name? Diablo Cody or something like that? So I'm just hmm. kind of like, hmm. I'm just trying to like throw some things out. And like when I think of Portland, I think of right like Portlandia, right? Which is sure. uh, what's his name? Fred Armisen, right? And yeah i don't know i'm like really bad pop culture so i'm just trying to go through like i don't know the author of the divergent series is named veronica roth i think yeah Um, and uh like she's related to philip roth that would be funny i don't think so but oh uh, no it's music yeah yeah so all right yeah um, um what independent music's currently be funnier if you were related to Asher Roth, but uh I also don't yeah. think that's who this is. Um So one of many angsty independent musicians. Like what are the good Charlotte guys, the Wood Brothers, right? Or like uh and author some more famous brother is one of the many angsty like that's what I'm trying to think of. And I just like I know hip hop, I know jam bands, and I know like top twenty because I have an eleven year old daughter, so I'm listening to Megan Trainer and One Direction, <laughs> like this like yeah. angsty like thing. I don't have it in my life. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to come at it from the YA angle because that's the only thing that I could even conceivably know. I think. Yeah, um, no, I'm, I, I, same like Stephanie Meyer, right? Yeah, Stephanie Meyer, Veronica Roth. Trying to think of other female YA authors whose names I know. 
um, I think you just now like named all mine. Okay. As far as young, like YA female authors, I just don't know. You want to move toward guessing something? Sure. We want to just say Roth. Just yeah, do it. Punch just with Roth. Roth. Yep. Yeah. All right. Roth. Yeah, I think Veronica Roth was from your uh, your own city of Evanston. I think she was still an undergrad oh, at Northwestern when she got her book deal. And I think the locations in the series are sort of that Chicagoland area advanced into a dystopia. But anyway, Todd? I was really sorry that I wasn't trying to steal this one because I really would have liked to brainstorm with somebody else. I like to think for somebody who has never lived in Oregon, I know a thing or two about the Portland scene. The problem is it's clearly not a female musician. And the only two famous enough guys I can think of from independent music in Portland aren't particularly what I would call angsty. There's the doesn't take anything seriously Courtney Taylor Taylor of the Dandy Warhols. I mean, he hyphenated his last name, Taylor Taylor, because an interviewer repeated it. He repeated it. And anyway, he took a joke and made it his legal name. And that's not what I think of when I think of angsty is somebody fully naked in a video dancing around. Uh, the only other person I can think of to even guess, I'm going to guess the surname because it's shared. I don't think this is right, but I'm going to say Alexakis. What was that you said? Alexakis. Remind me which group is that? He's the singer for Everclear, so I'm saying his sister. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm not super up on that group, but the one kind of angsty independent group from Portland I, I was or even somewhat familiar with before I moved here is called the Decemberists. And, oh, uh, Malloy? The author is named Myla Malloy, and she's oh. the sister of Colin Malloy. So I should have gotten that. But I didn't. I like, yeah. So far out of my... My mom is into the Decemberists. Oh, okay. I bought her <laughs> the album, the R.E.M. sounding album, King is Dead, I think. All right. You don't, so no, that's not important. <laughs> we'll move off of pop music for the next question. Todd and Cheyenne steal from Dylan. I, I don't say that it's angsty, though, but go ahead. Yeah, okay. I mean, I will defer to you on that. <laughs> Okay, as deputy leader of the Liberal Party when Prime Minister Harold Holt mysteriously disappeared while swimming in 1967, this man was expected to succeed him, but he didn't actually assume the head of government position until 1971, when sitting PM John Gorton essentially lost an internal party leadership challenge by casting the tie-breaking vote against himself. What 20th Prime Minister of Australia is known in the U.S. pretty much only for fathering a handsome actor who recently returned to the spotlight as star of the CBS procedural FBI Most Wanted? Who is doing this? Todd and Cheyenne stealing from Dylan. That's what I thought. And I just realized I was trying to think of the Australian James Bond, which is not what you're asking. So first off, Cheyenne, how confident are you you will get this? None right now. Okay. Do you have it? Well, I mean, I had the country before he said it, but that doesn't give me the name of any individual. Uh, 20th Prime Minister, when would that put us? Uh, early to mid-70s? Well, yeah, it says this head government expected yeah. to succeed him, but he didn't actually assume head of government position until 1971. Right, and probably didn't last very long. What 20th Prime Minister of Australia is known in the U.S. pretty much only for fathering a handsome actor who recently returned to the spotlight star so Dang i'm thinking it. if this is an actor who recently returned to the spotlight it's not somebody like one of the hemsworths it's probably somebody older because he had to go away to return right i know because my first like i thought of the hemsworths but right and again the australian-born james bond like didn't go on to do anything else i don't think he like a car wash or something so it's he, he has not returned who's that 
there's an Australian-born James Bond? I believe so, and I believe he was one and done and said, yeah, I was a famous actor and I didn't want to stay one. And he frustrated a lot of people who thought he had a good career ahead of him. Lazenby? It's, yes, George Lazenby. But okay. uh, I'm pretty sure he didn't just return to CBS. No, 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 he definitely didn't. This is going to be somebody young, right? Well, again, I think to return to the spotlight, he can't be too young. No, in the U.S., pretty much only for fathering a handsome actor recently returned. So who are some Australian actors who went away and just might have recently reemerged? Russell Crowe's New Zealand. What 20th Prime Minister of Australia? Trouble is, I'm thinking of actresses from Australia, but I'm not some actors. Probably a handsome actor who recently returned to the spotlight as star of God. You know, I saw a commercial for this the other day, but I haven't, like, looked at it, right? I just right. have them in the background, and I don't actually, like, look at them. I just have the noise coming I mean, into my ears. Could it be Rick Springfield? Could it be somebody Springfield? Like, I don't know, right? Like, he's old. Yeah. I feel like he's too old. I feel like this is, like, somebody young. Well. So, like, fathering a handsome actor. So, he had that position in 71. Like, we're going to say his kid was born in the 80s or 90s. Like, only, like, 30 years old or something. Right. Well, no, no, no. I'm thinking this kid was probably born before he became prime minister. Because remember, okay. the guy didn't even become prime minister until after he was expected to. Uh, okay. No, I got you there. Could it be something stupid like Mel Gibson? I mean, it, I don't think Mel Gibson would just be on a CBS procedural. I think he's a bigger. I don't think he, unless he's just that desperate for work, which I doubt, because he can make his own movies. Right. I'm good I, with going. Spring. I'm trying to think of like uh, Australian PMs, and I'm not coming up with any name that. I remember. Well, I mean, any I could come up with are probably going to be way too recent. Right, exactly. Same here. So, so I yeah, let's you're... just, uh, I'm good with going with your Springfield, and let's uh, cut this. Okay, let's lock in just Springfield, no first name. Yep. All right, locked in Springfield. Dylan? Uh, I do not know at all, unfortunately. 70s PMs, that's probably my worst era for knowing Australian PMs, unfortunately. So I'm just going to guess a Anglophone name, and I will say Howard. Uh, yeah, that was a prime minister, but he came a bit later. Yeah. Um, so this, uh, in terms of his roles that put him in the spotlight first in the uh, 2000s, um, would it help if I told you that he played Cole on Charmed and Dr. Christian Troy on Nip Tuck? I've never seen either of those shows. All right. Well, his name was Julian McMahon, and his father was William McMahon. Two people I am unfamiliar with. All right. Dylan and Todd now to steal from Cheyenne. Make no bones about it. Both Paul Prudhomme and Emeril Lagasse have at different times served as executive chef of Commander's Palace, one of many celebrated New Orleans restaurants owned by what influential family? I mean, my first guess was Landrew, but I don't really have any confidence in that. The mayor of New Orleans, I believe. Hmm. Uh, no bones about it. Oh, so right. What are like? What's that? What's that about? What's that about what? Like I don't know. Like what's the what's our what's the in there? Jolly Roger. I mean, I I have a friend who recently went to Commander's Palace and took pictures, and I got the learnedly one day wrong about it immediately after he showed us the picture, and I just read the Wikipedia and I still missed it. So it's a beautiful building. I don't know if it's gonna be bones. Well, what's French for bones? Uh, Osteo (laughs) with a bunch of elided consonants. I don't know. Bones. I don't don't know if it's like, could be like people who are in skull and bones, if it's like the Bushes or like we should pick like the Huey Long. I don't think he had an influential family, but I don't know. Some famous influential families in 
traditional Louisiana political times would be the Blancos, the Landrews, the maybe Bro. I don't know if his family, um, I don't know. I'm still kind of stuck on, I don't think Landrew is right. I just don't have a more intelligent answer. Trying to think of maybe some more people, state attorney general or something. Who was that one governor who did like a bunch of exorcisms or something? This is Uh, probably before my time. No, it was the recent, um, he ran for- Uh, president it's like no um bobby jindal jindal yeah bobby jindal he did exorcism yeah what? isn't he like the exorcism guy not is that not what he's ever... famous for i don't know uh he, he stopped people from going to ruth's chris steakhouse i know that do you hear me say Fody? i don't think that's right yeah um bones well also jindal definitely wasn't from an influential new orleans family he was yeah. he's indian so i don't know I'm just naming people high up in Louisiana government, uh, and I can't name that many. Uh, Who's the woman that was a politician in the 70s? I think she was a widow. I think she fairly recently died. And, I mean, that would be another influential family. Again, uh, politics is pretty much the only angle in Louisiana I can think of to name an influential family. So I can't even remember her name. I can see her face. That doesn't help us. I'll have to look her up after this. Could Bones be like a pirate reference? Well, I said Jolly Roger, but that didn't lead anywhere because it's just a flag. Well, I don't know if it could be like, because uh, didn't um, Lafitte, is that the guy who like helped in the Battle of New Orleans? He was like a privateer or something and worked with the U.S. government. I don't know. Um, I mean, there are place names in Louisiana that are probably named after families. Uh, well, Lafayette, there's uh, one place. I know a guy who lives there and I can't remember the name. Shreveport, Baton Rouge. Um, I want to say it's where Louisiana State is. How about Tulane? Is that a family? Mm, I mean, I have a friend who went there. I did, but I don't know what the history of the name is. Okay. Is there the, are they the Green Wave? Is that what yeah, they are? they are. Okay. So that's no connection. Is, I don't know, make no bones about it. Is that a thing that Lafayette says in the musical Hamilton? Could that be an in? I <laughs> I have not seen it. I'm, I'm just spitballing. I, I got nothing there. Okay. Uh, and, Edwards family, Duke family, Jefferson family. No bones. Could that be like, is there like some family that owns like a chicken wing? What What about like a graveyard or funeral there, home? I don't know. What about Madam? Who's the like fortune teller that's famous from New Orleans? Uh, Laveau? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's right. But. I don't think that's right either. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know. Right, you just want to lock in a guess then? Oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. Bananas Foster. Where is? What's the deal with that? Is it Foster? Bananas Foster? Could it be the Foster family? Sure. Foster. All right. Lock in Foster. Oh wait, wait. Sure. Um, did we already lock in? No, you haven't locked in yet. Why? What did you think? Well, isn't Oysters Rockefeller from New Orleans? Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, I didn't say Fo- Foster. Foster was a police chief in New Orleans. Right. Rockefeller right. is an influential family, and that is a dish that has connection with New Orleans. And I, I didn't say Thibodeau either. That's a big name down there. So what was the restaurant where Bananas Foster, was it Antoine's? I have zero clue. I don't know. I don't believe that Foster was an influential person, I'll say. Okay. Well, then that leaves Antoine. It leaves Landru. It leaves Rockefeller. Whatever. Since we were locking in anyway. Sorry to stall this you, you further. Spent uh, a, you spent a while on it. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you want, Todd. Do we know if Antoine was a first or last name? No. Then let's say, and you're sure Foster wouldn't be an influential family. Not 100%, but I don't believe so. Uh, if you want to lock that in, go for it. Uh, with zero confidence, Foster. All right, Foster. All right, uh, Cheyenne? Yeah, I know exactly. I know this restaurant. I just can't think of the name at all. I keep trying to do something like Ming's or something, but I think that's an L.A. restaurant. But I'm going to uh, 
pull from them, and I'm just say Rockefeller. All right, yeah. So the influence is pretty much limited to the restaurant industry, I think, which actually gives you quite a bit of influence in New Orleans because food is a huge part of their culture. The Bones reference, this is actually the second in a row stealth 2000s TV question, a show that I sometimes watched. It got a little uh, bad in its later seasons, but was entertaining in its early seasons, was called Just Bones, and its protagonist's surname was Brennan. But Brennan's Palace! Oh, I've been there like 10 times. <laughs> Whereas I have no familiarity, so I don't feel bad. Yeah, no, it's like it's at the end of the like the train. Like it stops there at Brennan's Palace. All right. So Dylan and Cheyenne now to steal from Todd. Potage de Crécy is the French name for a certain soup that was supposedly eaten every year on August 26th by King Edward VII to commemorate the victory by his ancestor Edward the Black Prince at the 1346 Battle of Crécy during the Hundred Years' War. There are many different versions of Potage de Crécy, but all of them share what main ingredient? Um, Sorry, I'm going to do my best. I'm still, like, beating myself up about Brennan's. So, uh, Potage is the French name. Do you have any ends on this? There are many different versions of Potage. I mean... So, I'll say there was a recent Learnedly question on food. It wasn't yeah. the... I don't think it was the Putinesca thing. Uh, are you on Learnedly, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, there was a, a question a couple days ago, I want to say, that I went to the Wikipedia page for, and this is on the Wikipedia page, but I forget what the original food item was. Ah, man. Do you remember recent Learned League food questions? Well, I mean, the Putinesca one was like two days ago, and it was all about the capers and anchovies. And, yeah. You know, and it's named after like a prostitute. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But this is dealing with like uh, French words that I'm not, I'm really good with food too, usually. Uh, potage? That's, uh, do you know what that, like, are you good at French at all? No. Okay. Is it just like a soup? So is that just their word for soup? You think potage is just the word for soup? I could see it. Um, yeah. Soup of... I mean, Chrissy is just the name of the city where the battle was fought. Hmm. Do you remember other recent Learned League food questions? It's bugging me because I should have remembered it, but... I don't remember anything like this in LL. It wasn't this specifically. I'm just... Um, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out the connection you're trying to make because I don't remember yeah. anything that goes like Potage or Cressy. And then maybe I'm just forgetting it. Yeah, this wasn't directly, but it's on the right. Wikipedia page of something that was directly in LL. Okay. What all of them share what main ingredient? Okay, so it's eaten every year, August 26th, by King Edward VII over his ancestor. Why would he do that? Could it be like potato? Like, I, I know that's right. I don't think, I don't think so. Either. But why would he um, like celebrate this? Well, it's, I mean, he's just celebrating a historical victory. Pressy. Okay, 1346. This is English. So it's like, this is like, predates like tomatoes. Yeah. This is what they would have in England. Or, you know, I bet you if we could figure out what that Cressy or whatever that is meant. Well, Cressy, I don't think that name has any linguistic. No. I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but was there a soup that showed up recently on Learned Leak? This is uh, like um. I feel like there might have been like a Vichyssoise recently. Or a bouillabaisse. Hmm. But what are there a bunch of versions of, right? There are many different versions of blah, but all of them share what main ingredient. So is it a meat item or a... Yeah, I don't know. Let's just throw something out there. Like, I don't think we're... Uh, could it be like lamb or something? Maybe? I don't know. Sure. Yeah, I don't think we're getting there. I don't think we're getting there. You want to lock in lamb then? Yeah. Sure. All right, Todd? Well, this is great. Excuse me. I'm, I'm going to need a cough drop after this, I think, just for not because I have a cough, but I 
have changed my answer like five times. Uh, I started off with celery, went through asparagus. Now I'm kind of thinking beets, but the one answer, oh, and carrots. I actually had a, my French teacher didn't understand why I was using the word potage instead of the more common word for soup back like eighth grade. And it was just, you know, what I found. But because I have many possibilities, but I keep coming back to this one, I'm going to stick with peas. All right. You're locking in peas then? Not very confidently based on your reaction, but sure, why not? All right. Dylan, I'm curious, did you play uh, BP Trivia? Yeah, I, I play BP Trivia, yeah. Okay, because I'm wondering if maybe that was where you saw the question that reminded you of it, rather than Learned League. But in any event, the main ingredient of potage de crecy is carrots. <laughs> and I think of potage as carrot soup, but I, I don't think of it as having many variations. Yeah, I mean, it can be, you know, basically like a cream or a broth or, you know, like many soups could be prepared in many different ways. Yeah. Uh, Todd and can, Cheyenne. Out can I just grab a cough drop? Sure. Okay. I'll talk better. All right. There's just two questions. That was Todd's last specialist question. There's just one remaining each for Dylan and Cheyenne, and that will be the end of the game. Oh, cool. Now I kind of want some carrot soup. <laughs> well, you know, the, the game is almost could, over, so you'll, you'll <laughs> soon have a chance to. Make a chilled carrot soup right now with like ginger. <laughs> All right, Todd and Cheyenne now to steal from Dylan. So the Sydney Push was a left-leaning boho subculture of the 60s centering on the home of poet Les Murray that included such major Australian cultural figures as Jermaine Greer, who incidentally did star in at least one movie with George Lazenby, Mm. uh, Clive (laughs) Clive James and Robert Hughes, who I mentioned in a previous episode was one of the original hosts of 2020. It also included the poet and oddly longtime corporate tax attorney Jeffrey Lehman, who maybe some surprisingly, appears to be on good terms with his daughter-in-law, Claire Lehman, the founder of what very controversial right-wing online magazine? Uh, I'm going to put my hand up as being an incredibly very far (laughs) left-leaning... human being and i don't know if i know right-wing magazines other than maybe like breitbart and we're partnered on this right yes okay you (laughs) let's see so claire layman founded what very controversial right-wing online magazine Hmm. Well, certainly I can name some that I don't consider controversial and right wing, but that doesn't really help us. Such as what? But, your guess, can we get the question? I don't have the question. Oh, there yeah, it is. I, Sorry. It's there. Yeah, no, I got it. It's just, right. I mean, magazine is what's throwing me because I can think of some blogs, right. but a magazine that would be considered both right wing and very controversial. Very controversial says to me it's not just like mildly titillating. It's like offensive. But or, it says online magazine, right? Right. Okay. So there's WorldNet Daily from like 20 years ago. I think this sounds pretty recent. It's going to be like a uh, Richard Spencer kind of yeah. like. Yeah, if it's alt-right, I mean, I probably have avoided. Right. Even, that's, uh, how, that's how I am. Like, I, I really, I like, this is so far out of my realm. Right. Like, I've avoided it to even get mad at it. So, like, I'm trying to figure out, though, if Sydney Push is in any way related other than her father-in-law is Australian. Because, I mean, the whole question is basically about an Australian group, and then the actual question doesn't seemingly have anything to do with that except that it's her father-in-law. Right. So let me just try to name any even right-wing websites I can think of, and maybe I'll accidentally say something that I don't realize is a magazine. There's, you said Breitbart. I don't even think of that as a magazine, but it's closer. Right. Um, Ace of Spades is a blog. Little Green Footballs is a blog that I think actually dissociated itself from the right. I already said World Net Daily. Newsmax? 
What about Newsmax? That's fine. And is that maybe like a spinoff of the uh, Rupert Murdoch? Yeah, but again, it's you know, it's not too recent. Uh, in fact, I haven't heard about it lately. But I remember it being, you know, like oh, that's from Newsmax. You know, like yeah. it was not a seal of bipartisan approval by any means. Yeah, I don't know. If y'all can pause for about eight hours, I'll go listen to a whole <laughs> bunch of uh, Behind the Bastards, and I'm sure it'll come up. <laughs> um, I mean, we know Claire Lehman didn't found the Drudge Report, so that and that's not a magazine either. Oh, 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 oh. Um, come on. There's National Review, which, but that wasn't always online. There's Weekly Standard, which wasn't always online. I was just reading about layoffs at one of these. Somebody bought it up and just fired everybody. There's the Daily Caller. I'm not even sure what ideology that oh. has. Oh, you almost got me into something. Should I keep talking or not talk? Oh, no, 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 talk. Uh, okay. What's... Daily Caller, Newsmax. There's one that starts with a B that's uh, two words, I think. What's... The thing what is, is the one that Richard Spencer started. Do you remember that one? No, because I wasn't aware he was alive for a long time. And I haven't. You probably know more about him, but I didn't want to. I don't know. Just throw something up there. I don't think we're going to grab it. So let's see. The two choices I just said I was between were Newsmax and then another one that I liked better. What was it? Your guess. Rewind about one minute, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Again, oh, I don't think those. News, yeah, I know. I don't think we're going to get this. I think we should just throw down an answer and move on. Um, very controversial right-wing online magazine. It's not Salon. It's not Slate. Um, BuzzFeed isn't right-wing. I mean, it's, you know, Jacobin, the left-wing one? Jacobin, Jacobin. That's like the one. I'm trying to think if there's any equivalent on the other side. I mean, this would have to have made the news somehow to be controversial enough. Right. Yeah, I just don't. This is like not my kind of thing. No, I get that. I I just I I should at least be able to come up with a decent Hollywood Squares answer. Um, Yogesh, if you could clarify, when you say online magazine, you mean this was never in newsstands? I believe that's the case. I don't know if I could swear to it 100 percent, but I believe that's the case. Okay, so it's nothing like Time or Newsweek that has gone online or, okay, or George. Not that any of these are really right-wing, but um, I think you're right that we're probably not even in the right ballpark. But just to name something that is currently an online magazine and is at least not left of center, National Review, Weekly Standard, Jezebel is left-wing, I think. Jezebel's very left-wing. It's like right in the same ballpark as Bitch. Well, as I said, I'm just trying to brainstorm, like, things that are linked to. Um, How about Newsmax? Because that's always been online. Newsmax. Right, you're locking in Newsmax? In the interest of time. Yes. All right, Dylan? So I'm not 100% on this. I'm sort of peripherally aware of, I don't know that much about Claire Lehman, but I think she has some association with the group kind of known as the intellectual dark web. And I don't think, for what it's worth, I don't believe she's as, she's like, I don't think she's comparable to Richard Spencer at all. I don't think she's that insane. But I mean, I, I don't, whatever. I don't have any uh, skin. I, I, did not, I did not say I did not make any comparison to the alt right. No, no, no. I, I'm just saying because they did earlier. I, I'm not saying you did, but um, yeah. Regardless, I think that the answer is Quillette. I think that's something. So that's going to be my locked-in answer. Quillette. Yeah. So looking for kind of the right-wing mirror image of Jacobin, maybe that. Yeah, that was. I think maybe perhaps an accurate way of portraying Quillette. 
And so that again, is a... I, I have never heard that name in my life, so I'm glad we didn't spend any longer on it, but I salute you for having heard it and remembering it. That's impressive. All right, and that, I believe, sent Dylan ahead of Todd into second place. And we come now to the... Uh, so both of them will be on the same side of this final question. Oh, let's go, guys. <laughs> in 1984, the old-school hip-hop trio UTFO released a song with a woman's name in the title that gained a decent amount of airplay. Later, after UTFO abruptly pulled out of a promotional appearance on a radio show, some offended rivals took revenge and hired a teenage girl named Lolita Shante Gooden to freestyle an answer record in the voice of the woman from that track. At this point, dozens of other artists leapt into the fray, releasing what some sources claim to be over 100 records, expanding on this impromptu saga. Today, historians of hip-hop refer to the entire affair as the X Wars, where X is what female name? Roxanne. God damn it. <laughs> well, so, uh, can we see the text of the question? Because it's, okay. like, uh, it's like Nas talks about it. It's like there's Shantae and the real Roxanne. Yes. Or that's what Nas says. But I don't know if it's, so it's like Roxanne Shantae versus some other person. It's the Roxanne uh, affair. Oh, very different pop song. So, yeah, Roxanne, yeah, okay, yep. There's no reason for me to hide my unhappiness <laughs> with you because you put it out so fast. <laughs> Sorry. Good job. I mean, I'm not no, really, but no. I feel bad that you saw things kind of crumbling. You're probably still ahead. I lose either way, so. No, but like, I just wrote that down, so, and you just blurted it out so fast. I was like, Oh. All right. Sorry, you're yeah, rushed. I, I think we're destroying your whole thing right now. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I in some of the earlier episodes, I started with like a disclaimer about calibration. is It's difficult in general. It's especially difficult for just three people. Yeah, because it works better in aggregate than with specific individuals. And especially when they're people I don't know all that well and have no way of knowing what they know. So, yeah, things like that are going to crop up. Usually the 27th question. And it's, it's going to be fun to listen to, right? Like, yeah. So. Yeah, usually the 27th question is extremely challenging. Both this and the previous episode it fell right away and actually yeah, in this case I did delete a clue and I didn't since I knew you already had it right, there was no point in deleting it from the copy pasted version I sent out in the chat now, but, we, yeah. haven't, we haven't locked in yet <laughs> I think I think basically, yeah. <laughs> I think when you blurted it out with confidence right away, I was fairly certain that you weren't going to move away from it. Although stranger things have happened on this podcast. Yeah, but, um, that's like I, what I was saying earlier. Like when people say things with certain amount of confidence, you know they have it. And when he yelled that, I was like, ah. He's got it. Yeah. I originally also had Olivia Newton-John's name in the Max Born question. I was like, you guys are tearing through these so quickly. I can hold back a few clues there. All right. So that brings the game to an end. We have final scores of Todd, 33.0, Dylan, 36.3, Cheyenne, 46.0. Oh, so he, you still destroyed us. Yeah. <laughs> Good game, guys. Like, I'm, yeah. Seriously, I won most of my stuff from working with you two to beat the other person. So that's very nice of you to point out. Yeah, as I said, the scores are a mix because of the way that people are matched up together. The scores are going to be a mixture of luck and knowledge. But yeah, I think uh, 33 is one of the highest third place scores. I have, oh. I'm not sure off my head if it's the highest, but it's this is definitely one of the highest scoring overall games. So I get well, extra nicely press on nails or rice cakes. <laughs> or... <laughs> Sure. All right. So before we sign off, each of you will get a chance to just say anything you want to say. It could be about the game or about the world at large or about any combination of those things. As long as it's not too long or offensive, it'll be kept in and we'll go in reverse order of scoring. So the lowest scoring player will get the last word. So we'll start with Cheyenne. Yeah. Hey, it's Cheyenne, Tulsa, Oklahoma, trying to create our own online trivia presence and business and streaming. So please check out Questionable Company on Facebook. 
Facebook while we're trying to uh, pivot in this critical time and take care of yourself and your neighbors and don't let people go shop and do crazy stuff and just take care of everybody. If you know anybody who needs it, do it. All right, Dylan? Yeah, I guess I should, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't plug my blog here. I have a trivia relevant blog. Basically, I write a question, like an analogous question for every question that appears on Learned League during the main season. So if there's a question on like Putinesca a few days ago, for example, I wrote a question on something about Naples, I think. And that can be found at mercurialmisery.blogspot.com. And seemingly the only way to get to it is to type that exact URL because Blogspot, I guess, has bad SEO. But yeah, anyway, that's all I have to say. Yeah, my own blog is also on Blogspot, but you do have to type in the exact URL to get there, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. And Todd. Well, let's see. I miss hosting trivia. I miss going to trivia. And I'm still on the radio for now. So I have that opportunity to still interact with people. But mainly, I just want to say I enjoyed partnering with both you guys to steal. I hope we have some occasion to trivia together again, because it was fun. Thank you to Yogesh for inviting us, having us on. It's the first time I've ever done Skype. And it's nice to see that it worked. And it was fun and successful, I think. Congratulations to the winner cheyenne and i don't know that i have anything else of import to say yeah thanks for doing this yogesh nice questions for sure this has been episode 12 of recreational thinking with yogesh routh thanks for listening